Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. And yes, it is another Monday episode, and man, what a great start to the Stanley Cup qualifying round and the round robin. We have so much to get to today, but make sure you get involved with today's episode. Use the hashtag TKS at The Kuehl Show on Twitter Instagram, Facebook, make sure you just follow along because, you know, there's a lot of great stuff we got going on today. We're going to talk about both the Western Conference, Eastern Conference, the round robin action. We're going to really get into you like we're trying to spear you with information. We'll get to that Michael Furlan incident later, but we're going to start out West, out in Edmonton. One of the games that just finished up earlier today, game two between Calgary and Winnipeg. So I'm going to need a little bit of help with this one. Coming all the way from the Great Plains in Canada, from World Hockey Report, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show for a second time, Cody Jansen. Cody, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, Tyler, doing great. Happy to be here. Just uh, enjoying some hockey. It's day three now, and it feels like 24-7. I've just been glued to the TV. It is nuts. The fact that we've been able to go this long, I, I, I remember when I was sitting on the, on the couch on Saturday. And I honestly stood up during the anthem and I almost cried because I was like the fact that we're at this point again, that there's actual hockey, like the exhibition games last week, they were great and all, but like now we're like playing legit games. It's just, it's a great thing. Oh, I love it. I mean, meaningful hockey, there's nothing like it. Like, you you know what? The round robin games, I've said it before, really don't have too, too much interest in it. Although St. Louis, Colorado was good. But for the most part, you know, seeing guys with their season on the line or seeing them play for something that that's my favorite part about hockey. That's what I love about the game. And it it makes it exciting. No question about it. And obviously one of the more exciting series, or at least one of the more intriguing series that's already kicked off has been the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets series. We just saw game two. Let's go back to game one and the controversy surrounding this game here, Cody. And it obviously all goes with the Mark Shifley hit or the Mark Shifley injury that was looked at as the Matthew Kachuk hit. Everything happens in this play. The camera angle that was straight on the play on the bump by Kachuk. Granted, Kachuk did lead Shifley into the boards. What is your take on the hit? I've heard a lot of people's takes on whether or not there was any quote-unquote intention. What is your take on the Shifley injury? I mean, you, you never go to hit someone to make friends, right? And so that, that's where the, where the term intent really gets away from it. I think, you know, watch it in real time. Like, everyone's going to watch it back in slow-mo. You know, they're going to watch it back 17 different angles. And, and honestly, you're going to see what you want to see, right? If you want to see Matthew Kachuk as a dirty player, that's exactly where your mind's going to go to. But if you watch it in real time, you're not going to see something like that. You're going to see two, you know, elite level hockey players, some of the best skaters in the world. You know, they're flying down the ice on the wall. Kachuk's going in. He's going to cut off the angle. And all of a sudden, Shifley hits the brakes and turns back. And Kachuk goes flying, not not quite into him. He doesn't really get him. He gets a little bit of a piece of him with his skate there. But honestly, if you're turning on a dime and you're going to try to cut on your inside edge, Yes, I mean, your, your skate's going to come up. You're going to hit a bump. You know, the ice hasn't been good to begin with. And so do I think there was intent to injure or use a skate to hurt Mark Shifley? No, that's the stupidest thing ever. That's like, I don't know, some just media narrative of just, I mean, I would assume it's Edmonton media. I work up here and there's some great people, but there's also some people that just want to blow things out of proportion, which is exactly what Paul Maurice did to light a fire under his own team there after the game. 
maybe it was yesterday. I don't know, but all it worked for him too. In game two, it really uh, sparked the fire. But at end of the day, do I think Chuck was aiming for Shifley's Achilles or trying to injure him, knock him out of the series? No, no, that's just that's wild. I mean, you saw Kachuk come over to him after he got injured, too. And I remember everyone, as soon as I, I don't think I thought Kachuk had done anything until Blake Wheeler fought him. And and I was listening to the Jets game, the radio, when I was coming back home from work today to listen to the Calgary Winnipeg game two here. And I, I forget the guy's names that call it, but the color commentator said that how Wheeler and Shifley are really close. So I think the fact that Kachuk was involved with the play, that's why Wheeler stepped up to fight. And it's funny because he also mentioned two of Wheeler's fights this year, both against Kachuk. So he fought Brady back during the regular season. And, and that just shows the kind of leader that Blake Wheeler is though. No matter what's going to happen, if something happens to a teammate, he's going to look to stand, to stand up for his teammate. Yeah, his last two are against Brady and Matthew. But, no, like, like sticking with that as well, I, I think I heard, I don't know, I could be way off here, but I'm pretty sure Matthew and Shifley used to work out together. They work out together over summer. I'm not sure exactly how that is. There, there's some sort of connection there. I don't have it in front of me. I saw it earlier in, in Twitter. It could have been totally wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they, they, they know each other all right, and that is kind of the reason why Kachuk went up to him after and said something. Like I, I don't know. I, I really feel like if Kachuk was out there to hurt Shifley, he would have tried to drill him through the boards there. That was more of a safe take-the-angle play, and you know what? Yeah, you're going to try hit him. But did Kachuk go and you know try to run him through the boards? No, like that's if he wanted to, he could have done much worse. I feel yeah. it was more Shifley kind of got his leg caught in an awkward place. I don't know. I'm, like there, there's been a couple of rumors it was a cut. There's a couple of rumors it's like a twist or a sprain. So I think until we know that, because if it's not a cut, if it's a cut, then okay. You know, maybe there was some attempt at him getting his skate off the ice. I don't know. I still have trouble believing that. But if it's a muscle sprain or something from him making contact with the boards, no, like that's just Shifley getting out of the way. He hits on the brakes and you know what? He runs into the boards. He gets run into the boards. That's, you know, that's a hockey play if you ask me. It's incredibly tough to look at because if you if you never played, I mean, granted, you and I were goaltenders, but if you've never fallen into the boards, you don't quite understand the jerk motion that really happens. Those, I mean, most dasher boards just don't give at all, and that's what happened on that play. Calgary is able to get the win. They get Johnny Gaudreau with a power play goal. Tobias Reed are shorthanded. Bob back, Bob Backlund. I call him Bob Backlund because he seems like he's so old. He's maybe wrestler Bob Backlund. Mikhail Backlund with the power play goal as well. The special teams gets going. Jets have to come back with a better game too, and. I'll be honest, they started out strong. They got Jansen Harkins getting his first playoff goal. Lowry was was there as well, got another goal. It was 2 nothing Jets, and all of a sudden, it seemed like maybe that the Winnipeg Jets were going to prove it. they were going to be able to hold off Calgary, but then Calgary comes back, and it set up a third period, and Cody, I really feel like everyone forgot that they were playing a playoff game in that third period. There was so many penalties. It was kind of embarrassing to watch. Like it was just, it, it looked like childish, you know, senior men's hockey out there. There was some very stupid decisions and it starts with Ehler. 
your Ehlers there after, you know, Kachuk avoids his hit or kind of avoids his hit, right? And so they go flying. Then Ehlers goes right back at him. Like, that was totally unnecessary. The Flames' power play was hot garbage for the entire game. And, I mean, it really hasn't been that great during the series in general. And then the Flames decide they want to go, you know, act tough. And it's just the worst possible time. You know, if, if if that's the time down by one or tied at two, when you think you want to make a statement by using your stick as a weapon, you know, you're an idiot. That's why you're not going to have playoff success. And that's why the Flames are tied in this series. Because I think if they play hockey for the final 20 minutes there, they come up with a win, they're up 2 nothing, and they get a chance to put away the Jets tomorrow. Instead, now they let the, the Jets back in by playing selfish and stupid. The Winnipeg's got a little bit of life here. And, you know, anything can happen going tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it, it really hurt because, yeah, the Flames, you know, they were looking for that tying goal. But then, yeah, Mangiapane with a dumb cross-checking penalty. And he thought he was going to get someone to go with him. But that's just the way that this this the playoffs have been called so far. And I'm, I'm honestly shocked, Cody, because you and I are used to the old hat. I'm like, all right, it's playoff hockey. The rules don't apply. We're going back to the 80s, what have you. But there, I believe there have been well over almost 300 penalty minutes in the first I think 12 games I think I wrote it down somewhere they have 322 penalty minutes the first 12 completed games 100 power plays there have not been 100 power plays in the playoffs in the last four years combined at least at least that's probably a hyperbole but is it is it good that we're seeing the penal the rules called like they're supposed to be like they're written in the rule book or is it kind of like uh, why are we turning away from how the playoffs used to be in the past what's your take on that that's a loaded question right there, Matt. Like, is it is it good? Depends on whose definition. Do I like it? No, I hate it. I'd rather see them swallow the whistles and just say, hey, there's no penalties in this. Like, like you know, just all out war. But I totally understand why that can't happen. I mean, you know, look at a little guy like Johnny Gaudreau out there. He gets hit a couple of times and he was pretty much done. You know, if, if they let them just go to war nowadays, these kids can't handle it. That's That's as simple as it is. Like, Hockey's changed so much in the past 10, 20 years. It, it's, it's crazy, as you know. But, you know, I, I guess for the, you know, the purest hockey fans, they're like, oh, it should be called through the books, game one through 82 and through playoffs as well. Like, if that's really what you want, congrats. Do I like it? No. No, I don't like it. I'd rather see them, you know, stick maybe get each team one power player to a game. And it better be, you know, a deliberate, you know, trip on a breakaway it better be a nazim Kadri jumping at a guy while he's on his knees you know like I, I, those are those are penalties in playoffs if you ask me not a cross check in the back not even even honestly what Ehlers did to Matthew Kachuk if I'm refing playoffs I let them play they're big boys they can handle themselves it's it's unnecessary they can settle it if they want to you know go at it for an excessive amount of time Take them both, whatever. It's it's not deserving of a penalty. I, that's my opinion. And I, I do concur because then you're going to get guys like who know how to draw those penalties, like the Kachucks and the Marshans. And even, like you said, the exactly. Kadri, Nazem Kadri also used to be really good at it. But, I mean, it, it, it is interesting because you're going to have that situation now where you kind of have to hold back and you're going to kind of let guys... Uh, the game will open up, obviously. We saw with the Edmonton game the other night. Shoot, 10 goals in a playoff game. That just never happens unless it's like an 8 nothing barn burner. But for the remainder of the series, obviously a quick turnaround. They play tomorrow night. They do have to. They do have over 24 hours of rest, which I'm sure is nice given these playoffs. 
if you're Calgary, do you, I mean, obviously I don't think the goaltending situation's in question for anybody. You got to, I think you got to stick with Cam Talbot. If you're Calgary 100%. and Connor Hellebuck, I mean, who else are you going to play? I mean, how do you think the goaltending has been in this series? Cause I know that was a big question mark, especially for the flames. I think both have been solid. Honestly, I think Talbot had a couple of rebounds. He probably would like to, you know, have a redo at today. I feel like he was a little bit shakier today, but yet again, the flames have allowed the first goal in what, like 45 of their games this year. You know, they, they just get off to bad starts. And last year, even they were a good third period team as well. But who, who knows? I mean, goaltending, it hasn't really swung the pendulum for either team this series. Neither goaltenders stolen a game, neither goaltenders lost a game. So as you said, you know, if that's the case, you can't switch it up now. If a guy like Mark Shifley and a guy like Patrick Line can't get back into the lineup, are the Jets handicapped? I mean, we saw them play really well today, able to pull off the win, but is that going to affect them as this series wears on, or was that going to make the team even stronger to beat possibly a mentally weak Calgary team? No, I think, you know, they, they need them. They want them back in the lineup, and I think that they will be back in the lineup. I, I said, you know, if they get to a game four or five, I hundred percent see both of them back in the lineup i mean pending what the injuries actually are i don't think anyone has all those details right now but you know if it's not too serious if shifley's walking around fine i I guarantee you they'll be back you know it's playoff hockey everyone wants to play they're good canadian boys well not lining but uh you know what i mean well i i think i think that the, the jets definitely could use that boost especially when it comes to special teams and their power play but for for calgary their biggest thing is you know they they need to reset they couldn't hit the reset button last year against colorado and it just spiraled out of control it was an absolute dumpster fire you know they were they were going nowhere but down after game two. They they just have to find a way to to avoid that. And you know it kind of starts at the top. It starts with your guys like Giordano, Kachuk, and Drill Monahan. Do they have another level? Because if they don't, Flames could be done in four games here. Jets could win two more in a row, and it could be back to golf. Man, I mean, especially two years in a row of having Calgary a team that at least would think they'd make it out of the play in round and only win one game in a series that they're supposedly favored. I, I believe I picked, I, uh, it's, even though it was only a week ago, I believe I picked the Jets just because Connor Hellebuck, and I'm always biased towards the goaltenders and who is going to be the better one. So it'll be interesting. Game three tomorrow evening in Edmonton on Sportsnet and NBC. Well, excuse me, NBC, if they feel like it, they were bouncing back because apparently the Washington game was more important. I don't know. I, mean, I heard that. We had a couple of people telling us that. That's that's insane. Like NBC, I got to give, I got to tip my hat though. John Forsland on the calls. I, I do like that. Johnny Forsland and I, I'm going to get into my, Miller. I'm going to get, Oh, of course, Gordon Miller. He's like the voice of hockey Canada. I will say yeah, this. Yeah. I will get into my Mike Millerberry sh- uh, Schmiel later. I do have some things to say about him. <laughs> listen, he, wa- yeah, he's, he, ruff- he ruffled a couple of feathers. I, I just, the guy, I listen, I, is it, is this, I feel like before I let you go, I'll, last question here, Cody, is Mike Millbury? Do I look at Mike Millbury as many people would look at Don Cherry towards the end there, like just sick of him and don't want him on TV anymore? Oh man, Don Cherry was such a polarizing figure where like you loved him or you hate him. Whereas Mike Millbury, it's it's more like you're okay with him or you hate him. 
Like, I don't know. Like, does anyone really love him? I mean, I've talked with a bunch of ex NHLers who played for him and stuff. I don't really know anyone in the media world who's had to work with him or put up with him. But, you know, am I a huge fan? No. Do I turn the TV off when I see him? Also, no. So I, I, but I don't watch enough of them, right? You know, I, I don't right. watch NBC that often. You're, you're, you're lucky. You're really lucky. <laughs> See that? That's you know, obviously I hear that, but yet again, like intermission stuff. Honestly, it doesn't intrigue me that much. I thought it was really cool, though. Uh, what was the game this morning? They had Anson Carter doing color. I think that, that was awesome. To get, I haven't heard. You know, he's a he's a guy who obviously you know kicked around the NHL and stuff and also spent some time up here in Edmonton. But I, I, I love that. I love, you know, guys like Patrick Sharp chiming in, Brian Boucher, unreal. So I, I, think I do Col- think that there's some good things. But yeah, guys in management, like how I see Mike Milbury is like a, you know, a, kind of a poor man's Brian Burke. <laughs> he's, That's true. He's, he's, re- he's really not someone you're going out of your way to watch. And like if he's gone, or like if he's not on the broadcast, you're not going to miss him. That's true. I'm more. I like Brian Burke more for his stories more than anything. But I think that's just with every old timer. But I will say this: we even had. I think during the Tampa and Washington game, which is still going on, which is tied at two halfway through the third period right now, they had Corey Schneider on there. I think Corey's realizing that maybe the his goaltending days are are soon coming to an end. So good looking fella too. Oh man, he's spiffied up. He he. Jeez. Man, hey, when hey, we got nothing going on. I'm surprised he's got the hair still intact after this long quarantine we've had. We've been chatting here with Cody Jansen of World Hockey Report. You can catch him here on 12 Ounce Sports as well for your great content out there near Edmonton. Of course, he gets to listen to Chris Cuthbert every single day so far. So I'm sure that's got to be great where we get we get Johnny Forslund and Gord Miller. And I mean, Doc Emmerich from his home in Detroit makes it interesting. But hey. He's calling games just like we did as kids. We wanted to learn how to be broadcasters. We muted the game. We called it. We're doing just as good as Doc Emmerich is. Cody Jansen, thank you very much, man. We'll talk to you later. And, folks, once again, check out World Hockey Report here on 12 Ounce Sports. Cody, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, buddy. Take care. And that was Cody Jansen. You can follow him at Janner31 underscore on Twitter. Follow World Hockey Report at World Hockey RPT on Twitter. Good to hear from him. And, that's a big series. I, I remember I when I was looking at that series, I thought maybe Calgary, Winnipeg. I'm like, this may not be the most important series. However, as we've seen, this is a very highly contested series. We got a couple more series coming up because we're going to have actually the guy that's supposed to be sitting next to me here, Alex Kuehl. He'll be coming on here in just a few minutes, about 20 minutes. We'll be coming here on 640 Eastern Standard Time talking about a couple of the other series. Actually, in fact, just the Nashville, Arizona series couldn't make it. He's feeling a little bit under the weather, but he's good enough to at least do one of our series here tonight. So I'm glad, of course, you can stay with us here on 12 ounce sports, whether you're watching us on YouTube, Twitter, and or Facebook. Thank you very much for tuning in here tonight. And of course, we must give a shout out to our sponsors that we get a chance to MyBookie.com down there to our right. MyBookie.com, all sorts of sports going on. Yes. Major league baseball may be going into an end soon, but you can still Win big using mybookie.com. Use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS to sign up for free. Bet on all sports. Win and get paid. Join for free today on mybookie.com. And, of course, Second String Leather Company. There is a new apparel line. Look at these shirts, eh? Can you see these shirts? I, I can't zoom in on the camera, but look at this shirt. This is a pretty snazzy shirt. I wore, of course, my usual patch logo last week. And check this bad boy out. Look at this. Another one of their awesome shirts. Yeah. Got the old Fisherman Islander kind of looking logo here. 
You can't quite see it. I wish I could zoom in more. It's actually a goaltender. It's not Fisherman Jack, but he does have like the kind of the hat on, but he's got the goaltender gloves. It's got the slogan crafted from the crease. I thought about wearing this today, but when we talk about the Rangers a little bit later on, I don't want to pour any more salt in the wound. They're having a rough go. We'll be talking about the Eastern Conference shortly after the top of the next hour of hour two here on the Kuehl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Let's get to one of the other series and one of the more intriguing series. Speaking of Cody Jansen's neck of the woods, Edmonton, the Edmonton Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks. I remember I did say on the show last week, we're making our predictions. Chicago's going to win one game. I did not think that Chicago was going to win like that yesterday. Correction on Saturday, big game Hawks against the home, the host, the Hub City host, Edmonton Oilers, the top seed here in the qualifying round. Connor McDavid, they're on fire. They were smacking teams around. They were baiting up the flames in the exhibition game. They're going to tear this Hawks team apart. They get a power play goal right away. Connor McDavid, this team's on fire. It's a, wait, what? Here come the Hawks. Guys, Dominic Kubalik. I know I said he's not going to win the Calder because those are based on regular season numbers. Boy, if there was a Calder of the playoffs after one game, you give it to Kubalik. Unless somehow Kale McCarr pulls something out. I mean, he had a really good game yesterday for the Avalanche. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But man, two goals, three assists, five points. The first rookie to record five points in his postseason debut. He was on fire. He got power play. I believe he got a power play goal as well. I mean, four unanswered goals in that first period. Who would have thought that the Hawks would not just weather the storm, not just compete, but dominate the Oilers the way they did in that first period. The way they were able to bounce back after a power play goal and it looked like all the momentum was for the Oilers. Crawford came up with some big saves and all of a sudden Mike Smith, who I who I backed, who I said, hey, he's the veteran, give him the start. They gave him the start and they gave him the opportunity. And Listen, I, I'm not going to blame him for every goal, but... You need a save here and again. I believe, you know, that the Jonathan Taves, the, uh, I want to say the first goal, Taves scored. No, it was the second goal where he walked in from the point. It was a straight shot on, one-on-one. Smith came out. Taves beat him. I'd like to think Mike Smith can make a save there. He's not going to get a chance, though. They do play at 1030 tonight here on, I almost said here on Sportsnet. We're not on Sportsnet. This is 12 on Sports on Sportsnet and NBC Sports as well. They're going to be playing in game two. Miko Koskinen, who came in after the fifth goal scored by the Chicago Blackhawks, he will be starting tonight, getting his first playoff start. Brandon Saad and Dylan Strom also scored. Dylan Strom actually getting the first goal of the game for the Blackhawks. A very odd play, too. Mike Smith trying to backhand up the boards, and it just looked like an uncomfortable play by Mike Smith, and it's a play as a goaltender you make a 1,000 times. You see his def- and it, you watch the playback. Unfortunately, we a don't have the production, and b we can't. We don't have the rights to the video to show you what exactly happened. But Mike Smith, he goes behind that to stop the puck. This is the Blackhawks' first goal. He looks and he sees his defense partner coming down. I believe it was Adam Larson. He sees him. Larson starts to pull off. Smith doesn't see that. Mike Smith, who is a very good puck handling goaltender, he stops the puck. He sees Adam Larson coming down. All right, I'm just going to tap it over to him. He's going to turn up with the puck. Larson. You know, it's funny because you'd think there'd be good communication. There's no one in the building. There's piped in crowd noise, but it doesn't seem that loud, at least on the broadcast. 
Mike Smith just should he should say, hey, up the boards, up the wall. But Smith just turns and fires it, and there's Dylan Strom. Smith gets back in the net. But Strom walks around, sees Smith off the post, banks it off his keister in the back of the net. And that really turned the tide. Dylan Strom, who, let's be honest, had as much, I'm not going to say as much, but had a lot of expectations of him coming out of juniors, going into Arizona, coming from the Iriotters program, which a guy by the name of Connor McDavid also played for across the ice from him. Wasn't able to do a lot. Goes to Chicago. Is kind of just like, all right, what am I supposed to do here? And he's still playing a big part on the big club. And that's good to see because you need kids like that producing in the playoffs. So the fact that he's able to get the first goal, and then after that, here comes the Kubalik train just storming down in the heart of Alberta, the city of champions. More like the city of Dominic Kubalik's. I thought I had something there. Dang it. This is why Alex needs to be here, so he can you know, kind of help me out, maybe finish my sentence there for me. Give me some help. But, oh, hi, Tyler. Nice to see you. My buddy Tyler Burke chiming in here, here on the Kula Show, here on this Monday evening. And I find, it's funny. I'm like, I'm expecting people to be watching the show tonight, but I'm like, everyone's probably watching the games right now, so I don't feel bad, by the way. Capitals and Lightning, still 2-2, with a little over five and a half minutes to play in period number three, live on NBC Sports Network and Sportsnet. I think they're on Sportsnet. But regardless, one of the biggest things coming out of the game as well, the Drake Kajula hit on Tyler Ennis. I believe it was in the third, it was in the second period. Drake Kajula catched Tyler Ennis high. Definite, no, no question about it. Caught him in the noggin. It is it it is an egregious hit? No, but it's a hit to the head. They give him a one-game suspension. And a one-game suspension here in the postseason, that's pretty important, especially in a five-game series. I mean, you know, if you really want to do a whole comparison, that could be like an estimate like seven or eight games. I don't know exactly what that would be. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm pretty sure Drake Kajula doesn't have an awful history. Excuse me. I almost had a burp there. But I, I like the idea that the league is going to call some things, the Department of Player Safety, which... <laughs> Which is what's going to get to me. We're going to get to what's going to, you know, what to look forward to with the games tonight and the games moving in towards Thursday because Thursday we have TKS Quick Shifts Edition, a one hour show getting you caught up on all the playoff action. We'll get to that at the end of tonight's program in the last half hour of the show. But why I want to quickly move on from the Drake Kajula suspension to the Minnesota Wild and the Vancouver Canucks game last night. All right. You know, I'm okay with 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 tough hockey. Okay with some physicality. Michael Furland. By the way, Minnesota wins game one, three nothing. Alex Daylock, twenty eight safe shutout, second shutout of the night. We'll get to the other shutout a little bit later on here in the program. Michael Furland. Listen, I know that's the type of player he is. He's tough. He's physical. He gets around the net, and that's the game he plays. So. When he gets put into the boards near the Minnesota Wild defense, Minnesota Wild bench, excuse me. I'm I'm trying to quickly look up the other guy because I have to go to the NHL Department of Player Safety because I totally forgot to look up the guy that grabbed his stick on the bench. But it's it's absolutely ridiculous. So unfortunately, I don't quite have it. Off the top here, I can't find the NHL Department of Player Safety. 
even though I blatantly tweeted about it earlier on Twitter today. Um, oh, here we go. Found the tweet. Angel Department Player Safety. Trying to find the other guy. Luke Coonan. There we go. Hey, great preparation, everybody. Luke Coonan was fined $1,000 for unsportsmanlike conduct during last night's game against Vancouver. Okay. What'd he do? Well, he grabbed Michael Furland's stick when he was on the bench. And that's, you know, that's how the game works. You play a little gamesmanship here and there. But I'm going to tell you right now. I, I am curious to know what went through Michael Furland's head. And it sounds like my brother's trying to get on the show now. So I just told him, like, yes, he can come on the show. Um, so we'll hear a phone call here in just a moment from Alex Kuehl, the other guy supposed to be sitting over here. But Michael Furlan decides he's going to lose his mind. He's going to lose it. I I don't quite understand what went through the mind of Michael Furland. He decides that he is going to spear into the Minnesota Wild bench. Literally, blatantly spear. Ends up catching Ryan Hartman. Not even Luke Coonan. It's incredible. It is dumb, which is why now I must be joined by the usual host here of the Kewl Show, welcoming from literally right across town, Alex Kewl. Alex, um, I'm talking right now about the Michael Furland incident from last night. I don't know if you were hearing me there, but what? Can you hear me good? Can, I can you hear me good? I can hear you good, Alex. What's going on? Hey. All right. So first of all, the... Caguila is his name? Drake Cajula. Oh, we're going back. Now he's going back to the Oilers Hawks game. No, I'm sorry. I just needed, I had a little, a little thing that I wanted to say about this before I get on. By the way, hi, everybody. Welcome <laughs> to the Kill Show. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, welcome to the Kill Show. Out your half hour late. Yeah, something like that. So the Cajula hit, because um, for those of you that don't know, I've literally been spending this entire weekend slash week in the basement just watching all of these games basically the hit itself if you look at it it like like you said it was very clear but the fact it only got one game i and here's what i said alex i said this just a couple minutes ago oh it's, i heard you i was watching i was it's, watching it's one game in a five game series Nazem Kadri would have only gotten five games in last season's playoffs against Boston because that's how the playoffs work. That's how far five games in a seven game series. That's equivalent to probably 20 games in the regular season. Now continue. See, but in this format, yes, you're still taking away two games. So it is a best of five. So in, in this example, Blackhawk Blackhawks are up one to nothing in the series. So in theory, there's only two games left. But well, well I don't okay. Chicago's not gonna there, sweep there is, Edmonton. There that's what I'm saying. There is that possibility that it goes to five games. So wouldn't it be fair for someone to make an egregious hit to be taken out for somewhat half of the series? Because that's basically what happened with Kadri is that he was taken out for, you know, then again, half of the series. Kadri was a repeat offender. Drake Kajula, I don't believe, has a very... He doesn't have a colored history like Nazem Kadri does. Kadri's done this before. He's been suspended before both playoffs and regular season. That's why the severity of the suspension was for Kadri. Kajula, not so much. 
that's a, that is a fair point. So now going back to Markstrom. Markstrom? Which, you mean Furland? Was that where we are? Which one are you going for here, Alex? Alex trying to just where? jump on in. We're talking about where? Michael where? Furland. Okay, Furland. Yes. So uh, this is why this is see this is why he's not used to being this the the second guy here, folks. He just uh, he's lost. He doesn't know what he's doing here. Well, okay, so I was trying to watch it on YouTube, and it kept buffering out, so it would keep me from watching live feed. So it was, I was basically like 30 seconds behind at the very least. So the spear, I actually did not see. Um, so I, I watched it after the fact. You, you can't be doing this. Come on now. Well, here's my, here's my problem, Alex. Here's why I went all caps on my Twitter on Department of Player Safety because they suspend Kajula for a hit. They spend him. High hit, good. When you take your hockey stick, I do I have one in my... I don't have one in here, darn it. I don't have one here in the office. When you take it... Didn't you, did anyone ever watch Slapshot? Denny Lemieux? Okay. okay, he takes a stick and he jabs it into Ryan Hartman's midsection. Listen, I'm not just saying we're trying to all be good farming boys there. I know they're over there in Edmonton. There's a lot of farmland, but you can't be pitchforking people. $5,000, Alex, for Michael Furland. We know how dumb his contract is. You can't honestly think that $5,000 is a noteworthy suspension for a spear. Not a no, little, not. not a poke. It's, 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 it's not. And, and here's, the, here's the whole point of it, too, is that if we're going based on you know, if, if they're going based on how they've compared things in the past, this should be at least at least 5K, which I, I think still the highest they can find someone right now is it's $5,000. Correct. So it's $5,000. But it's a, add, it's a suspendable play. That's it's, what I'm saying. You also have to add on some sort of suspension, whether it be one or two games. Even if it's in this qualifying round series, you, you also have to look Nothing happened to Max Domi what last night when he straight up speared Sidney Crosby off the draw in the in his defensive zone. It was literally seen on the broadcast. But I mean, we'll get to that series later and how they've been treating Crosby. But I'm just I'm just saying, everyone saw it. They have it on camera where Domi goes straight between the legs for Holy Mother Glory and her family jewels, and he gets nothing. So you're basically just saying now what that was off the now this this entire this entire qualifying thing where it still counts as playoffs for individual stats is weird because there are certain aspects of the game and I don't know if it's just depending on what refs are playing which or they're refing which games but like there are certain games where it's penalty after penalty after penalty and then there's other games where they literally just let them play like it's wild wild west. And even in some games, it's just one period to the next where maybe the first period they call a lot of penalties, but then they see maybe in the second that things are getting a little bit wily coyote. So they're like, all right, we'll let the boys play a little bit. But when it gets to the nitty gritty final minutes of the third, they start calling penalties again. And that's how, you know, certain situations that we've seen uh, allow for some goals that are a little bit arguable, but more, it should be more than five games. It's more it's, than 5K. It it's should be suspendable. Be 5K. I would say, you know what? Give him two games. Give him two games. Because Furlan, Furlan's done this before. That's the thing. He's He has a record. Whereas Kajula 
doesn't have as one. And that's why I'm like, why don't you suspend him? Like, this is why, Alex, I, folks that are just tuning if you've never been a part of here on 12 Ounce Sports, if you never listened to our old episodes of the QL podcast, I and the Department of Player Safety are not the best of friends. We do not get along. We are oil and water. George Peros, I don't care if he went to Ivy League. I don't care if he went to Princeton. I'll tell you right now, he's got the same, same education here as Grand Rapids Community College. That's the way he's called running the Department of Player Safety or any local community college, whatever you want to call it. Oh, you seen the show or, Community? Or, he's, he's got one of those. He's got a Chevy Chase. You, you, you can't just destroy community colleges. How about like alternative high school? How about that? Oh, wow. We're really giving her to him. Listen, and that needs to change that. Have we done a Department of Player Safety episode? Angry August, Alex, even though I don't think we're going to uh, get to that this year. We. Well, we most certainly won't. Um, I don't think we ever I have. I, I think we'll have ornery. We'll have ornery October. That's what we'll do this year instead of angry August. Ornery oh, October. You, oh, you act like we're actually going to have time off in between the two seasons. Well, Please. well, we're going to jump right into college and junior. Well, college won't be until January. Junior hockey sounds like they're going on. But anyways, the Wild get the win. I like now. We'll get. We'll we'll kind of move on from the Furland deal just because we have so much more. I have so much more to talk about. Alex only has another series with us. Alex Stalock plays fantastic in the game. Jacob Markstrom, despite the two goals, only one series. What are you talking about here? I got plenty to talk about. Hey, you're on the you're on the uh, you're on load management right now, buddy. You're on Kawhi Leonard time now. Um, that is true. Kevin Fiala gets a power play goal. Jared Spurgeon gets a power play goal and the empty netter. I'm sure Markstrom wants both those goals back because especially that second one too. Spurgeon with a shot from the point on the power play, albeit Alex Edler gets in the way, but it goes right to the wickets. Markstrom though plays really well though for the most part. After that, I think he bounced back. I don't. I mean, you who are you going to play? Thatcher Demko in this series, but I don't understand Alex why people honestly thought that it was not going to be Alex Stalock in net for Minnesota. The kids played so well. At the end, towards the pause, he comes up big, gets a shutout in his first, or excuse me, his second start in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the qualifying round, albeit, but still gets the win, gets a shutout, and looks confident in it as well, despite not having that much experience in the postseason. He, he just showed up. That's, I mean, that's what really it came down to. And in, in this game in particular, both these teams, I would say, are fairly evenly matched. Yes, it's one team that has a lot more experience versus one team that's trying to figure out who they are in the playoffs. I'll say one team that has experience, one team that has talent and a buttload of it, a Besser load of it. That Get is it? fair. Brock Besser. But I'm yes, say. I see. I see. Thank you. The hum. Gosh, Tyler. But in this game, there are cases where teams lose games and there are cases where teams win this game. And and in, the, in this case, the Wild most certainly won. And I'm I'm really excited slash intrigued to see how the Canucks bounce back from this because a 3-0 loss is it's a rough one, but you know, they like you said they do have the talent and also you have to remember Ty as much as I don't like them, they have players on that roster like Jay Beagle who know what it takes to win, especially in the playoffs, regardless of how different these are. And, you know, it's going to kind of, it's going to have to come down to how much they're willing to pressure the structure of that Minnesota has, you know, is, is creativity in this case, which they have a lot of, is that going to beat the structure and the grit factor that the wild have? 
Yeah, it's going to be an interesting series for sure. The rest of the series. I don't think this one's over anytime soon. I don't think you're going to see a sweep here. By the way, Washington and Tampa in overtime right now. We'll get to the recap when we get to the Eastern Conference portion of tonight's program. Dallas and Vegas just starting out over at Edmonton in their round-robin game. Let's, Alex, let's move on to the Nashville Predators versus the Arizona Coyotes. And let me tell you, I know our good boy Peyton Turnage is probably tuning in, and I know he's going to feel a little bad, especially since they play tomorrow afternoon, 2.30 Eastern time puck drop for that game between the Preds and the Coyotes. For 95% of that game, that was Arizona's hockey game. I don't think I... Oh, you're, oh, most certainly. And you know what? We talked to Pete Weber, Alex, just a couple weeks ago. You could tell, hey, this team's feeling more confident. They're more savvy. They kind of know what they're doing. All right, they're heading... And what? And then just here comes this Coyote team and says, Psych! Darcy Kemper! Let's go! And they, <laughs> they, they outplay him. Now, the big story, of course, going in was that they put in UC Soros as the starting goaltender, not Pecorine, not the guy that's played 89 consecutive games... The only goal, the last goaltender, Alex, I remember I heard on the broadcast and I still had to remind myself that he was ever a goaltender for Nashville. Dan Ellis was the last Nashville goaltender not named Pecorino to start yep. a playoff game. That was back in 08 when the Wings knocked him out on their way to the You're Cup in 08. Wrong. And yeah, when, that was when uh, Jordan Tucci was on the team, I believe. Uh, yeah. On Nashville's team, yes. And, yeah. you know, Arizona just came out strong. They came out ready to play. I believe they were up, was it 3-1 or 4-1 at one point? Michael Grabner scored on a breakaway. I mean, I listen, as a Leafs fan, we were like, where was this? But <laughs> Dvorak, Keller on the power play, and it all started with that weird goal from Oliver Ekman Larson. Just a simple shot from the point. Hey, kids, you put the pucks on net, good things will happen. Well, he didn't really put it on net. It went over to Matt Duchesne, who was in the third row over there at Rogers Place, trying to find where that where all the flooding was, but then it went off him and then went in the back of the net. I don't blame Charles for that one, but it all seemed like that really kind of put like that, that kind of set the tone early on. And for the majority of the game, like I said, it was Arizona's game. Well, listen, and I, I think that especially in this game, it's, it's kind of made it very clear that to a certain extent, even though these games do count as playoff games for individual stats, this is also this very much has a beginning of the regular season kind of vibe to it with this weird tinge of playoff action in it. The the diff the amount of weird bounces that we have seen. I mean, ju- I mean, we th- you just mentioned the Washington Tampa game that's going on right now. The two goals that Washington had are due to a fact that Vasilevsky let shots just fall right behind him, and they were just banked in. And that's just that's just how it's been. There's been a lot of goals that have been bouncing off defensemen, um, bouncing off of weird bodies. The Sidney Crosby goal that uh, he got, you know, last night where he bounced it off of Carey Price's skate in it. There's just a lot of these weird things that are going on, and it's just that's just how it is. And it's it was a tough luck, you know, thing for Matt Duchesne. But the one the one thing I will say about Duchesne in this is that he did not help his team one bit. He has. Goal, he's been very, very quiet this entire season. It's not just now here in the in game one. This well, has been well, for not, a while. Not even just that, though. Not even just that. It's it's more than. He's been more than just a quiet player for them. He's been a detriment, I would say. 
or should, dare I say, hot take, Matt Duchesne's been a detriment to this National Predators team since he's gotten there. And Seems like that kind of you, follows if, around Duchesne. He went to Ottawa and they started to stink. And Columbus, yeah, they won a round, but he didn't do anything. And now he goes to Nashville with $8 million in his back pocket. And that's right. not working and out he, well either. He's, he's just been one of those, he's just been one of those players that he's got talent. Yes. But that only works for how long. And okay. You would, you can argue that yes, the first goal where it bounced off his shoulder and in, not his fault. The second one where he got, laid out a clean check and then decided to retaliate like a brat and get a tripping call. I'm sorry. The fact they scored on that power play is all his fault. That was a completely clean goal. And it was given on a power play that shouldn't have existed purely on the fact that he got hit and got upset. Wham, wham, that's your fault. And I think that's, that was the whole narrative of this entire game was the fact that, like you said, the, the, the Coyotes just out... The, I wouldn't say they outplayed the Predators. It's that they just played their game. They didn't try to do anything fancy. They took the puck to the net when they needed to. They tried to make the best chances of what they had. They stayed, I would say, somewhat relatively out of the penalty box, which, by the way, you know, I think one of the, they were one of the lowest, if not the lowest team, to get penalized all of the regular season. By the Coyotes. way, Chan- Chandler Stevenson just scored for the Vegas Golden Knights. They're already up one nothing on Dallas. Just letting everyone know. Yeah, just letting it. Yeah. At, but th- this is a game where yeah, look, the Wild won their game versus the Canucks. The Preds lost this one. And you, you can't but help but feel for... UC Saros in this one. Well, and they almost came I, back too. Philip Forsberg with a pair of power play goals. Ryan Ellis with a goal. They outshoot the Coyotes twenty to eleven in the third period. That's why I said Arizona really came back, and or excuse me, Nashville really came back. Arizona kind of fell into a shell, and Saros made some big saves to keep him in. So far, John Hines hasn't said anything about who he wants to play in Game Two tomorrow night. But Darcy Kemper, that's the story I think right there. He's obviously a guy that missed a lot of time with an injury, Alex. Is back to four, makes 40 saves in the win last night. I don't think there is probably a better MVP. Obviously, great games all around from the guys in front of him, but Darcy Kemper was certainly the star of the game last night. He really was. And, you know, you, have to, you do have to get, give some credit to that defensive core that they have for themselves and the, the ability that they're, um, I would say, young on the younger side of their forwards that have been able to, you know, get their sticks into places that they need to and block shots and all that good stuff. But Darcy Kemper, that of, of all the games that I've watched, you know, this past weekend, I would say he, he was probably the goaltender that impressed me the most. Um, yeah, and, and that's, and that's, and that's even coming from me who, you know, I've, I've watched now two Carolina games where Peter Morazic has looked calmer than ever. He, Which is surprising looked- how we all know Peter Morazic can be. And he, he played really well here today. We'll get to that series after our break, but I, you got to love the way just how calm a goaltender because Kemper, it's not like this is his first rodeo. He's been a playoff goaltender with Minnesota before. Saros has never seen the light of day in the postseason, so it'll be interesting to see who they go with in game two. Quick round robin recap here before we go to our first break here of the Kula Show here on 12 on Sports Network. Alex St. Louis in Colorado. Let me, okay. Here, okay. I will, no, hold on, okay. Alex. Hold on. Hold her steady. Hold her steady. Okay. I'm, I'm literally behind your picture to tell you to calm down. Okay. 
I will say this for everyone that's been knocking the round robin. Also, side note, couldn't, couldn't you have just gotten a better picture of me? Come on, man. No, that's you. Okay. <laughs> all of your cell, all of your pictures have your phone in because you're taking them in the mirror. I, you know, we'll get to G Money here in just a moment. Here he's asking about the Penguins. G Money, we'll get to that probably around 7 15, 7 20. We talk about the Pens Hab series. We'll preview game two as well tonight. I, I've never, like, listen, everyone's knocking the round robin. Alex, you've done it yourself. What's the point of these games? They're dumb. They're stupid. 79 hits, Alex. 79 hits. This was game six of the conference finals. This game was, and I'll be honest, these two teams may play each other in the conference finals. Let me tell you. This, I, I've this never, was a game. It was a game and a half. And I'll be honest with you. It was perfect. It was one nothing for 80% of the game. Hard nose hockey. Bennington stopping 36, 36 shots. Grubauer, who had not played since the outdoor game where he got hurt, looked just fine. Makes 31 saves himself. And, you know, St. Louis gets a goal early. Power play goal by David Perron. Okay, hey, the power play's clicking. That's good. But then it just became this just... And it, here's the thing. It was not an overly penalized game either. This was not a game where there was a lot of chippiness. It was hard, physical, clean, and all in all, a great hockey game. You're you're taking the words out of my mouth, Ty. How does it feel? How does it feel, Alex? (laughs) How does it feel? It feels like I just got home, if you get that song reference. Um, And I feel like I just Okay, yep, we get it, Alex. Thank you. Um, But, oh my gosh, this, this game... Okay, so like you said, I I very much am critical of this round robin kind of play, and I'm I'm watching a round robin game right now with Washington and Tampa Bay. They're in the shootout. Eighteen penalty uh, minutes, by the way, last night. Five power plays for for Colorado, four for the Blues last night. Just letting you know for the in terms of how I don't know how clean the game was, but not like how they weren't taking dumb penalties. But continue, Alex. Right. So. When you look at this game and you look at how the round robin is set up to kind of seed the four teams for each conference that, you know, should have been, you know, automatically put in the playoffs, it comes down to a matter of how much these teams are willing to put into these games. So, like, uh, you know, one thing that's been tossed around is, you know, our, our, players and teams are they going to be playing on short benches are they going to be putting in players that you know they normally wouldn't have in the lineup to keep guys fresh for the later rounds by the way uh tampa bay just won the shootout okay they did score i was looking at that too oh and brain point score who put it in uh i couldn't tell you because i was going through my mind bubble but uh just uh made the game winning save right there all right so uh, that which, means which by the way he i guess couldn't do today to save his life but Vasilevsky stops 26 of 28 during the overtime, the 65 minutes of action. Brayden Holtby stops 31 of 33. Go ahead, Alex. Right. So these games, it's come down to like, like I said, how much you're willing to put into these games and how much are you willing to really test yourself and making sure that you are ready to play. Both of these teams look very ready for whatever, you know, opponent they're given. 
I would say that the Blues and Avalanche, they have a very they're gonna have a really good time playing in that first round because they look ready. They look ready to play playoff hockey. They're not taking dumb penalties, like you said. So they already know how to stay out of the penalty box, which right now is a huge thing. But all in all, it comes down to, you know, how much they're willing to put in. And one thing that I I know that in our friend group, the people that we talk to, our family, whatever, there is this somewhat distaste for this guy by the name of Eddie Olchuk, okay, that uh, he does stuff for NBC. We did, we got into that out. with Cody Jansen off, off the top of the show. We we've we've said our we both said our piece, and everyone knows yep. my my take yep. on it. Yeah, yeah. H- hence the reason why I bring it up again. But the the reason why I mention that is because he makes a he made a very valid point, and it it, it can be you can see it in all of the games, including the qualifiers, but especially with the round robin, it's the players that are putting the intensity into the game was specifically how the crowd has been taken out of play and you know this concept of a home ice advantage with having both teams being able to have their goal horns and goal songs and you know power play songs and all of this stuff that they were trying to kind of even the playing field especially for these beginning games yeah it really has come down to the players and it, for this game alone you can see that the Avalanche and the Blues, they are going to be ready to play without fans. They're going to be ready to play on their intensity alone. This is a great game. Kadri gets the game-winning goal with literally barely points, 0.1 seconds left in the game. They decide to call it a good goal, and instead of dropping the puck for 0.1 seconds left, they decide to just call the game. Well, no one can That's take a they, slap. No one can shoot the puck that hard, Alex. And that well, Also, to... Also, too, half of the Avalanche bench was already on the ice, and the, the Blues were already gone. It was like, ah, what's the point? But yeah, it was it's, such... It's, it's point one seconds. I mean, and this was also a game that Grubauer played great. Bennington played great. It's It was just a very well-even matchup. It was... I wouldn't say it was one of the most entertaining games, but it was one of the most hard-fought. And like you said, 79 hits the entire game. It was not a cupcake factory wedding if you know what i mean it was not for the faint of heart and of course ryan graves getting his first ever postseason goal played and played and only half the, a little over or less than half the game excuse me last year only played 26 games with the avalanche in the 18-19 season this year plays 69 games leads the league in plus minus plus 40 with scoring 26 points getting the goal that tied the game in the third period for the colorado avalanche good to see the rookie well, not necessarily a rookie. The youngster getting involved there. So we'll the see. Youngster. We'll see how that goes. Colorado, I believe, plays on Thursday. I don't have the schedule right in front of me, and shh, unfortunately, unfairly enough. But obviously, all sorts of great stuff from Alex. Of course, we'll see how the rest of the round robin plays out. Right now, currently, Vegas leading the Dallas Stars by a score of one to nothing. And like Alex said, Tampa winning yep. in a shootout. So a good start for them. That means, well, a couple wins for both teams. And I'm, I love the round robin. Listen, I'm not paying attention there as hard as I am the rest of the series, but right. it's good hockey. There's, I don't think anyone can pull that away from everybody. Right. And I'm, you know, they just showed us a, a quick live looking into the game with Vegas and Dallas. And that, that looks like another game where they're, but I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how that look, how they look in the second and third period of how much they're going to, be willing to put in the game but before before you take 
um, everyone to break here because I know you only got me on for this little bit because because I'm I'm load management or whatever. Hey, you said uh, it. You're not here. You don't get the full well, show if you're not here. That's fair. The reason what well the reason why I'm not there is because I'm trying to keep you safe. We don't know what I got right now. Okay, let's, let's, let's keep it at that. He's yeah. He's you're unfit to perform fully. So that is, I am unfit to play as uh, as the NHL has deemed how they're going to address certain things. But bef- before you take everyone to break, I did want to make a comment on the Canes games just quick because they are my team. Uh, congrats to Sveshnikov on the hat trick, the first one in our first playoff hat trick in the Canes slash Hartford Whalers organization's history. Yep. Great job for them. Uh, kudos to P- Peter Mrazek for playing solid hockey and just being this stone faced warrior between the pipes. And they are a team. I want to make sure that everyone gets this out. So they know my opinion. They are a team right now that they know that they are doing everything they can to play their game. They are playing physical. They're playing quick. They're not letting you get any chances with their, without having to deal with their forecheck because it's one player after another with their rotation. Rob Brendamore has prepared this team very well to have a deep run in this playoff. And after the two games that they've already won, it's very hard to see them, you know, even coming close to losing one to the Rangers, even though it's been purely the Savannah Judd show. I have to give that, that one thing to him. He's been a great player. He's not been getting the support that he's been needing to. And Lundquist hasn't really been helping either. Well, That's all I got to say about that, folks. Well, we That's are, all I got to say. Yeah, well, of course, you always have something to say, Alex. Of course, hopefully Alex is good for next week. We'll have to keep. He will not be on the Thursday shows, though, that I am doing solo. And that's okay. I don't mind doing them solo. I like I like being I like being me. I like having my me time. So that's why well, we're. I mean, I mean, I mean, who knows if the Canes win in three, maybe I'll have to just come on there and uh just we'll just have a good old style end up and and we'll have an nwo style takeover oh we'll, it'll just be a celebration of canes will be interesting we're gonna let alex go here when we come back we're gonna get into the cane series against the new york rangers with scott esposito from the blue line station on fansided we'll be back here on the cule show here on 12 ounce sports network Welcome back to the Kula Show, everyone. I apologize for any technical difficulties we're having right now. We're hoping we get it figured out here soon, but that's okay. We still got all great hockey to talk about here today on this Monday evening, but unfortunately, we got to talk about some grim, at least for the guests we're about to bring on here. We're going to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes series and the New York Rangers. We heard Alex's piece about the Carolina Hurricanes before we went to break, and now let's get to the flip side of things, the New York Rangers side. So with that, I'm going to need some help, and I'm going to bring in now my guest here today. He comes from us from Fansided's Blue Line Station. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Cula Show, Scott Esposito. Scott, how are you doing today, sir? Doing very well. Thank you for having me. I I will say, Scott, the first question I got to ask 
What is the feeling right now in Rangerstown, Rangerstown down 2-0 to Carolina? Honestly, I think there's two sets of two lines of thought here. I think you have the people that were intent on uh, seeing the Rangers make a real run to the finals, which I'm not sure was realistic uh, given their deficiencies in, on defense and on uh with the rotating goalies and all that. So I'm not sure that that was so uh, real, so much uh, of a possibility uh, for them. Then I see the other side of the Ranger uh, town community just saying, you know what, we've had a great year, and these playoffs are going to be a great experience for the young kids that we have going forward. And that's kind of how it's been too. Cause I'm, I do remember, cause we were, we had our show. We were really young at the time when the news came out that Jeff Gordon came out and said, listen, we're going to be rebuilding. It's going to be a tough go. Let's just all stick together and let's, you know, we'll, it'll be good here in the future. Now I'm pretty sure he didn't expect two years from two years later, having a talented enough team that was close enough to a playoff spot. Now they're here. And let's be honest, game one, First game of the qualifying round, yeah, we had our exhibition series and we had everything going on. We came like, okay, let's see how game one's going to go. Maybe a feeling out process. And then Brady Shea decides to run over Jesper Faust. And all of a sudden, hey, the playoffs were here. I mean, that's kind of, that set the tone, at least for the first game of this series. Oh, absolutely. Um, Carolina has thrived all season on its ability to get in on the forecheck, pressure the defense and then get that early lead, and then just shut down everything. Shut clog the middle, win the wall battles, and be, attack the puck aggressively in the defensive zone. As you saw both in game one, especially in game one, as well as in today's game, the Rangers didn't get many second opportunities at all. I mean... I could count on one hand, I think, the number of rebounds that they got. Um, part of that is their shot selection, putting it, you know, a lot of shots have gone um, either to Mrazic's glove side and not his blocker side. And the issue there is the goalie could catch it with the catching glove. If he's got to use his blocker, chances are there's going to be a rebound. And that would hopefully create more chances for the Rangers, but I, I just haven't seen it. I, I've just seen Carolina just really coming out and taking it to the Rangers. They're faster. They've been stronger on the puck. They've won most of the battles to the puck along the wall and in the corners. Uh, they haven't given the Rangers many good looks uh, to credit. It's a real credit to the team and the coaching staff. Um, they, they kind of play like Rod Brindamore when you think about, and I, maybe I'm dating myself, but when Rod Brindamore was a player, he, he, he was a tenacious, tough, talented hockey player, and that's what I see in the Hurricanes. Uh, like a bunch of little broad, Rod Brindamores out there, They're like always going, never stopping, never taking a shift off, and they're, they're really, um, they've been impressive in that regard. Yeah, there's no question about it. And Rod Rod Brandenmore still looks like he could play. That's the terrifying part <laughs> in all this. I don't know if it was between him and David Quinn who would win that battle. But 
we're we're really going to get into the big part here, and I think it was just the way Carolina started off strong, but the way the Rangers were able to handle the pressure by the Canes. And by handle the pressure, I mean, Henrik, stop everything for us, can you please? And, I mean, that was the long and the short of it there, Scott. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist plays phenomenal in game one to give at least the Rangers a chance. You're spot on. I mean, that is the only reason why the Rangers have a chance. I mean, I can't... He made so many, so many good stops in game one where uh, the Rangers really had no business being in the game. You know, it took me back... Uh, to game six, all the way back in 94, the Eastern Conference Finals, where if some Ranger fans will recall that the Devils had a two to nothing lead on the Rangers, game six, they were up three to two in the series, and they just bombarded Mike Richter. And Mike Richter kept that game at two to nothing. Um, he stopped four two-on-one breaks after it was two-to-nothing Devils, and slowly the Rangers found their pulse and were able to um, ultimately win that game in the series. And going back to this series, game one, I think we saw that. You know, the sluggish start, I, I, I think when Fost went down, it was a real um, wake-up call for the Rangers. You know, I think they were stunned by that, frankly. and. I think it took them a while to recover, but as you saw throughout game two, the team's been resilient all year long. They started to find their pulse in the second period a little bit, and, um, you know, they got a couple bad breaks, you know, with the goal off stall skate, and, um, you know, just a beautiful redirection um, by Ajo for a power play goal for the second goal in game one. there's not much you can do about that. And, you know, they're just talented players. It was a great feed from Stretchnikov to Ajo and uh, just perfectly placed redirection. Um, but, um, so, yeah, absolutely. Henrik Lundqvist is not only the reason they were in game one, but as we move into the I don't think you could pin either of these losses on him. Not at all. No, not at all. Yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, it's funny because I was watching a little bit of the game today. I think that first one that Sveshnikov scored here this afternoon, of course, Rangers falling in game one and game two here today, the Canes winning by yeah. a score, I believe it was four to one, the final today. I, I yeah. believe, you know, that one, you could tell Lundqvist's reaction right away. He knew that that's one that he wants. And despite everyone's like, oh, he's old, he's getting to the point where he's, you know, getting ready to hang him up or at least take a backseat to someone, he knows he can still put up big games. And that's why Coach Quinn went with him because he's had such a great track record against the Kings, not just, you know, in his, excuse me, in his career, but over his, over this past season. So that's why he went back with him in game two. And he still played well for the most part. It's just the Canes were just able to overwhelm them from almost seemed to puck drop till the end. And it just didn't seem like the Rangers could get anything going offensively for a substantial amount of time. Uh, again, it's, I don't disagree with you. It, it, look, Lundqvist deserved to start today based on his playing game one. Okay. And 
he got the start today. I'm sure he would, to a man, I'm sure he would take back that first goal. I know it's, um, it's snuck between, I believe, his, his arm and his body was that um, the puck went between his arm and his body and into the net, and it's probably a goal he'd want back. Um, you know, the other two, the slap shot goal, of, I believe it was uh, Svechnikov who um, wound up from the right point and blasted one over the shoulder of Lundqvist. It looked to me like the puck was fluttering and maybe Howden had gotten a stick on it and maybe slightly changed the direction of it. Um, so it's kind of hard to pin that on him. And, of course, you know, Mark Luke's goal today, that was just the Rangers, they committed one turnover in the neutral zone. I believe it was Filipino. He got outside the blue line of the Rangers' zone and, it looked good from there, but then he gave the puck to Carolina's defense. I don't know if it was a bad clear. Unfortunately, I don't have a, I didn't have an opportunity, obviously, to speak to him about it. Um, what do you mean? You just gotta jump. Was, you just gotta jump in the bubble. Oh, you, they'll let you in, right? Just be like, excuse me, I'm with the Rangers. Yeah, I wish. As long as you, you know, got a mask on. I, I, I wish. I, I would if I could. But honestly, I and I say that because, Tyler, I don't like to rip guys, you know, especially if I don't have a chance to um, give them their say. But from what it looked like, you know, it, it looked like a bad dump in or maybe a misfire on a pass. Whatever the case, Carolina got the puck back in deep. The Rangers, nonetheless, still had a chance to clear the zone. And Tony D'Angelo tried to flip it out of the zone high, but not high enough. Carolina kept it in, sent it back in deep. And then Heedle, to his credit, you know, he's trying to back check. He's a kid. He's near the crease. He's tr- and he overstates the puck. And, you know, it, it allowed um Carolina to pick up the puck and just put in an easy goal past Lundqvist. So again, can't blame Lundqvist on that. I think the Rangers are just um, um, I just think they're being outplayed. I think Zajanablad Mika Zajanablad said it best after the first game. They out-competed us. And I'm not sure that was the case in the first period today. I thought the Rangers had a pretty good first period. You know, it doesn't help when you take a penalty 16 seconds into the game, like uh, Pavel Buchnevich did, um, especially a cross-checking penalty. It's just unnecessary, and it just, you know, it slows down any momentum or any, you know, excitement that you have coming out of the locker room, 16 seconds, boom, you're down. Exactly. Oh, man. But they killed it off, and they battled back, and they actually finished the period strong. He could have been leading had it not been for a couple good saves by Morazic. Oh, yeah. He, he's made some big stops in this series for Carolina. But that leads us now to Game 3. And obviously, and a lot of people thought Igor Shostorkin was going to be the guy. He was going to be the starting goaltender. He doesn't dress in game one, doesn't play in game two. I mean, no one really knows what the word is with Shostak, and that's why the, it's so weird how the NHL is really taking control on how people can see the injuries or what's released on them. 
I mean, we'll talk about Mark Shifley off the top of the show. I mean, that in particular, we still don't know what's wrong with him, even though he had an MRI. That said, though, yeah. do you still go back with Lundqvist in Game 3, or do you want to maybe try to shake it up a little bit and play maybe, if Shostorkin can't go, Alexander Georgiev, who had, at times looked like a possible future number one goaltender. Do you go with the the youngster in place of game three? I mean, I mean, if you're the Rangers, you're down 2 what do you got to lose? You know what? I would. I would go with Julia uh, just to get a different look in there for the Kings. You know, um, again, I don't blame either of the losses on Lundqvist. Um, Carolina did a tremendous job on the forecheck, the back check, winning battles on the walls, as I said before. Panarin today, for example, he had a goal, but it was a five-on-three goal. And that was one of two shot attempts he made. The other shot didn't make it to the goal. Um, So, and Coach Quinn, David Quinn, made a point. Of that after today's game, he said, you know, Carolina's top players are all playing our top players, and that has to change. So that said, we're not pinning the losses on Lundqvist. You know, maybe Georgiev in there. Um, it's a different look for the Hurricanes. Who knows what can happen? You know, they've got nothing to lose. If, if nothing else... Um, Georgiev's 24 years old. It'll be a good experience for him. Exactly. And that's the way you look at the series. If I'm a diehard Ranger fan, I'm looking at this series as this is a, sort of a bonus. In other words, they may or may not have made the playoffs had the COVID-19 pandemic not set in, right? So now that it forced the league to pause, the Rangers were able to get, I know it's technically not the playoff series, but um, it, it, it's a really, really good opportunity for a lot of the young kids on this team to get that type of experience, that, type, that playoff feel, um, the importance of the game. You see, you see, a lot of the kids that went were on the Rangers when they went 4-0 and against the Hurricanes in the regular season are now finding out that things get turned up a few notches, right? Just, just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> so, and that said, I think Georgiev, if Shesterkin can't go tomorrow, I, I, I think the Rangers, A, did right by Lundqvist by going with him, giving the veteran the start. It's probably his last year with the team. And I, I can't see where they lose by starting Georgiev. At the worst, they lose the game, Georgiev gets experience. Exactly. I mean, it's not the same experience, obviously, had we would be under different circumstances, but just getting him in in a playoff game of some stature, I'm sure would be great in terms of the development of the youngster. We have been talking with Scott Esposito at Blue Line Station. Scott, Let's see what happens in game three. Hopefully the rain. I said the Rangers were going to, I said the Rangers were going to win. I thought they were going to pull it off. <laughs> I said five games though. They've lost you two. Said I said five. They lost two. If they win three in a row, I'm a genius. If they lose, well, <laughs> uh, it'd be a normal day here on the kill show. That's for sure. Hey, I picked them in four. So hey. that's not going to happen. So well. you, you're still one up on me. 
Well, we'll have to see how that next scheme goes. Scott, thanks again for taking the time. You, you can always can follow Scott Esposito on Twitter at Scott Espo 94. Follow Blue Line Station as well at Blue Line Station at Fansighted. Thank you very much, Scott. We're going to take a pause here, folks. We're going to stop the stream. We're going to try to get everything figured out. We're still kind of glitching. Scott, thank you for dealing putting up with us through this. The audio feed will be clean, though. That'll be up tomorrow, the okay. re-recording. And Scott, thank you once again, man. And hopefully, hopefully the Rangers have some hope. Hopefully at least get one win so they can at least have something to tip their hat to. Uh, my pleasure. I'm just happy hockey's back, and I really appreciate you having me on. And appreciate you too, Scott. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. All right, we'll be right back here, folks. We'll take a break here. We'll stop the stream, like I said. Hopefully, I'm able to get this thing figured out. We still have a little over an hour to go left in the show. Hopefully, we're able to figure it out. We'll talk to you just a little bit here, hopefully, here on The Kula Show. All right, I think we're live again. We're trying this one last time, giving her one last go. Tyler Kuehl here. Hello, everyone. If you're just catching on here on Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook, here on 12 Ounce Sports, here for the Kuehl Show, hashtag TKS. You can complain to me if you want. Tell me that. Oh, my gosh, Tyler, how can you not have a show working today? We were running fine for the most part, but all of a sudden, right towards the end of the Alex interview there, it started to glitch out, and unfortunately, we just not been able to recover. And Hopefully, we're able to get this going at least so we can finish up here today, here on this Monday, August the 3rd, the third day of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We talked about the Western Conference already. We already talked about Chicago jumping up on the Edmonton Oilers. That's a 10.30 start time tonight. We had already a couple of round-robin games. We talked about, obviously, Minnesota going up on Vancouver, Colorado winning their round-robin game against St. Louis trying to quickly check the score. I'm running everything off my phone now. There's no Google internet on my laptop right now. Everything's being ran on data, which thankfully I have unlimited right now. Of course, Jets beating the Flames earlier today, 3-2, in order to get a one, even up that series at one game apiece. Second period just starting in Edmonton. Vegas up on Dallas, one nothing there. Chandler Stevenson, the goal for the Knights. 4-3 win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. In a shootout, Carolina winning earlier today by a score of 4-1. to one. If it is still glitching, folks, I do apologize. The audio for this episode will be up tomorrow. I know we had this issue a couple weeks back, but it's okay. The audio will be up on your favorite podcatcher, whether it be on SoundCloud, which is our home podcatcher where we distribute our RSS feed to all the other links, all your favorite links as well, like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, we're on there. You'll find us, and I'm sure you will all tune in for sure. We just talked, of course, with Scott Esposito. Scott, thank you very much once again. If you're still listening or watching, thank you for putting up with the glitchiness. It sounds good. Everything sounds good, and it looks like we're, for the most part, doing okay on the stream. So we'll we'll ride this one out. I don't know if we'll have any more commercial breaks or not. If I'm just going to go right on through. All my notes now are on my phone as well. But, of course, Carolina, we talked about him going 2-0 up on his Rangers. Make sure you check out, though, folks, Blue Line Station on Fansighted. That's where Scott Esposito writes, one of the many writers for Blue Line Station covering all the great Ranger stuff. And I love his take. I mean, he's, he's a coach. He played. He's followed the game for many years. So that's why it was great to hear his take 
on the games itself, like how the game was played, like the actual action, not just the numbers, not just the analysis. It was, here's what happened on this play. That's the takes I really like. I really love that because I myself, I've coached before, I've coached kids, goaltending coach in particular. You watch a game a different way. You don't watch a game like, all right, this guy's supposed to have this kind of PDO and his Fenwick's kind of down right now. Uh, what's his goals for percentage? No, it is the eye test with a guy like Scott, and that's why he was such a great get here for the Kula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. But let's move on here in the East, going back to the Eastern Conference, talk about another New York team, the New York Islanders, taking on the Florida Panthers yesterday, game one. Didn't know quite know what was going to happen. Because you're either going to get a lot of goals for the Islanders, which has not happened at all this season, or a few here and there, and who knows how Sergei Bobrovsky was going to play. That was the big question mark. Obviously, Semyon Varlamov for the Islanders, no question there coming out of camp in the exhibition game. But Sergei Bobrovsky played a pretty good game. I don't think he played that badly at all. He looked very confident was calm, cool, collected, and made some huge saves. The goals by J.G. Pajot, he played really well. He got the goal to start the game off, and Anthony Beauvillier put him up 2-0 before Huberto made it a 2-1 game for the Florida Panthers. But, man, did he look like a guy... I'm not saying he looked like Vesna caliber Bobrovsky. I'm not going to put him on that kind of pedestal yet. But he looked very very confident and it was making some huge stops keeping the game close late for Florida when they needed it because a Barry Trotz coach team and I remember I was texting Harrison Watt who we had on last week previewing the Western Conference I loved his take he said Barry Trotz coach teams are just so hard to get through they're so difficult because they're defensively sound when he was coaching with the Washington Capitals he had to respect the fact that he had the offensive superpowers in Backstrom and Ovechkin, and even on the defense side of things, John Carlson, he had Mike Green for a little bit there. And so he had to respect the fact that he had an offensive team in front of him, and he had to try to develop into a defensive, defensively stout team, which ended up leading to the 2018 Stanley Cup for the Capitals. Now, trots with the Islanders, he's able to take this team that has some offensive power. They have Barzell, okay, Brock Nelson, and yes, Anders Lee, the captain, can put up points now and again, but that's about it. But he's able to take this team and say, all right, we're just going to suffocate everybody and we're going to have our goaltender make a few big saves and we're going to win the hockey game. That's what they did last night. 2-1 win. They go up 1-0 in the series. They play game two tomorrow. And, man, you got to like – actually, I, think, I don't think they play until Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Unfortunately, now with everything, I don't have the schedule either without having the uh, having my Chrome up here. I just am going off my notes off my phone. Should have Should have saved that sort of thing. Um, no, no repercussions for Mike Matheson on the Mike Matheson early on Johnny Boychuk. I think it's because he was already, he already got the penalty in the league. I'm not going to get the department of player safety again, simply because of the fact that I, I don't, I mean, I do have an hour left and I may cut this episode short this week, just because of the fact that we're having such video problems right now, but that's a hit. Another blindside check that needs to get needs to have some repercussion, at least a fine or something, but nonetheless, Islanders play well, defensively sound. Florida, the offense has got to step up somewhere. I don't know what you need to do. They were trying to get a couple of chances here and there towards the end. Just was not going to be enough against Barry Trotz's crew. 
And, you know, what's going to, what's going to take? I mean, of course they lost Vincent Trocheck to the Carolina Hurricanes at the trade deadline because Florida, for all intents and purposes, didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. And even though they really missed, they were only behind the Leafs by what, I think three or four points. I mean, they weren't that far back of making it into the top three in the Atlantic division. That said, I mean, they were, there was just, it was going to be the offense. And that was, if the offense didn't click, that's, that was going to be their downfall in this series. Game one proved it. Bobrovsky played well. No no question about it. If he can come back and have another performance here in game two, if the offense can put a couple more goals together, because don't forget, that game was almost as clean as a whistle. Very few penalties. A very clean game. Very entertaining game to watch, too, despite only being a 2-1 game and I believe only 56 shots between the two teams. It was a very tightly contested contest. And for someone like me who likes defense, who likes the idea of having two teams just go to down on each other and start beating each other, I like that. That's just me, though. So I'll love to see how the offense and how Joel Quinville responds in game two. Does he change the lines up a little bit? Does he try a different kind of method? I'm like, all right, let's try to get in the zone this way. Barkov, will he put Barkov with Huberto? Will Mike Hoffman go back with Barkov? Who will he'll it'll be interesting to see if Quinville jumps the blender for game two. That I am intrigued on. The next series. Let's go with the Maple Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets. This one was tough, folks. Hits a little close to home, too. Yes, I know, because I'm a Leafs fan. I mean, hello, you see my mug over here, which I have not. I don't think I've taken a sip of water all show today, which is impressive, given the fact that usually someone who talks a lot, they need to hydrate. So if you just give me one second here. Service. It's a wonderful thing, ladies and gentlemen. Sponsorship. No, I'm kidding. So game one last night, Leafs and Jackets, was exactly what I thought it was going to be. John Tortorella saying, no. Looking at the Leafs lineup and just saying no. Not a chance. The Leafs just, they had 28 shots on goal. If you look at the actual numbers and where the shots were coming from, you'd be surprised on how few of the shots were high-quality scoring chances. Yes, Jonas Corposalo was phenomenal. Obviously got the shutout in the game last night and made a couple of big saves on Austin Matthews. I, listen, he played well. But the Leafs got near, did not get nearly as many great chances. They were getting held to the outside most of the game. And in fairness, in all fairness, that's what was happening in the Leafs' defensive zone as well. Frederick Anderson had to make a couple of big saves, but it wasn't like he had to stop every single grade-A scoring chance that was thrown his way because there weren't that many. I think he played totally. I think he played well. And then all of a sudden we get to the third period. First of all, Peyton Turnage, you know who you are. You know what you did. He tweets at me and says, zero, zero games like these are awesome. And I literally said, broadcaster jinx. Thanks, Peyton. Little over a minute and Cam Atkinson just scrolls down the wing. Here he comes and shoots and he scores. Okay. And I I threw, I think it was a Dylan McElrath, Grand Rapids Griffin's gif where of him dropping the gloves and fighting and towards Peyton. And he's like, I sincerely, sincere apologies. And I'm like, uh-huh, sure. But man. That, that was tough because for some reason, the way the game was going, you could tell that the Leafs, if they were going to score, they already had their chances. It just didn't seem like at all in that third period that they were going to get many opportunities. And there was a great flow to the game. There was like seven minutes without a whistle. I was shocked that the Leafs got that many chances towards the end of the game. But Tortorella's team, 
I mean, Seth Jones, Zach Orensky, those guys, despite being offensively minded, the way they were flying around the zone, they were so solid in their own end that it was incredible. And the fact that the Leafs, let's be honest, guys, if their offense doesn't get going, bye. Bye, because you're, you're going to be gone. You're going to be, I mean, what are you going to do, drive home? I mean, I guess Austin Matthews will go back home to Arizona and Freddie will fly back to Denmark, but... A lot of the guys live in Toronto. I mean, Zach Hyman, you have to go back home and watch other teams play in your barn for the rest of the playoffs, for the actual playoffs. That's going to sting. So, and I remember I did say the Leafs are going to win one. I said Columbus in four, and I'm sticking by it because the exhibit A last night, it was incredible how good Columbus was. If Corpus doesn't allow any weak ones, and if the Leafs offense can't break through this John Tortorella defense... I mean, Sheldon Keefe gets outcoached by John by John Tortorella. That I can accept. That I can accept. I can't accept Mike Babcock getting outcoached by Bruce Cassidy. I can get it. I can accept Sheldon Keefe, first time NHL playoff coach, going up against Stanley Cup champion John Tortorella, Jack Adams, award winning John Tortorella, who probably will win it again. John Tortorella outcoaching him. That I can accept. I don't know what the Leafs are going to be able to do. I mean, try to throw the super line out there of Tavares, Marner, and Matthews more often. I, I don't know. I don't think that'll work, I'll be honest with you. I did like the, the debut, the playoff debut, the official debut of Nick Robertson. And this is why I was hoping we could have done a show on Friday just for an actual prediction because I've been able to watch the exhibition games. But I really liked the way he played in the exhibition game against Montreal and in, in yesterday as well. All It seemed like he never let up. He never took a shift off. He was going hard to the puck. And obviously, yes, first game, some jitters, but you got to show that you belong. And I'll be honest, guys, despite the size, and I know that's obviously weird saying because we got Mitch Marner on the Leafs, I don't think Nick Robertson looks out of place. He looks really confident. He skates hard. He's got a, sh- if he can get a shot off more often, I'll be honest with you, he may beat Corpusalo. And I, 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 I swore, guys, he was going to be the guy that was going to tie the game. But you know, I, I think he belongs. He should definitely be in the lineup for game two tomorrow night, so we'll have to see how that goes. But we'll see what the Leafs have to turn things around. You're going to have to have a better effort from your body. I think you have to play your fourth line a little bit more because if you're going to keep throwing the same lines out there, John Tortorella, despite being the road team, you're just like, all right, they'll throw out Matthews. Fine, we'll put our defensive guys out there. Throw the fourth line out there a little bit, kind of get the Blue Jackets defense pairings kind of mixed up, and next thing you know, you may have a matchup that you may actually like. And yes, you want to play the matchup game, I understand, but at some point, you got to throw the fourth line out there. I know they didn't do a whole lot, but then again, they didn't have a chance to do a whole lot. So we'll have to see what adjustments Sheldon Keefe makes for game two. Like I said, you can't pin on Frederick Anderson. The Leafs defensively played a great game. They didn't allow too many good chances. It's just the offense needs to break through if they're going to want to win this series. Now, this takes me to the postgame presser. And I tweeted about it yesterday. Because I was shocked to know, well, first of all, I was shocked to see, I, I didn't watch it right away because, well, that's post-game presser. I need to go to sleep. I had to get up early for work this morning. I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll turn the radio on for the Minnesota-Vancouver game and listen to T- or Sportsnet 650, by the way, right out of Vancouver. And I thought to myself, all right, let's, well, you know, we'll just scroll through Twitter quickly here. And James Myrtle says, Austin Matthews calls out Steve Simmons. And I'm like, I'm in. Let's do this. Let's get Twitter on fire. And I saw the video, and let me tell you, 
good on Austin Matthews. And I listen, I've had a lot of people reach out to me both on social media and personally say, come on, dude. Austin Matthews doesn't need to say that. It clearly shows where his head was at following the game. It doesn't look good after losing a game like that. And I understand that. I understand. Yes, you lose a game. You didn't score. You had a couple chances, but didn't play all that great. So why are you coming out and calling out the media? Because it's a personal deal. Steve Simmons reported, reported Austin Matthews having COVID-19. Where Steve Simmons, who is a journalist, yes, credentialed media. Listen, I want to be that too. I get that. But had no business talking about the personal health of Austin Matthews. If Austin Matthews wanted to say he had COVID-19, like Corey Crawford came out and said that he had COVID-19, that's okay. Why? Because he came out personally and said it. It was not, hey, did you hear about Austin Matthews? Do anything about Austin Matthews? And asking questions, and then all of a sudden, bam, Austin Matthews reporting. I've had a story before. I'm not going to talk about it on the show. I almost wrote it. I almost wrote it for a different website, not the hockey writers, about a story with a player and a coach and the player's father. I'm not going to say it because why? I was told by, well, multiple people that it's probably not a good idea to report it because that's something that stays inside the locker room. Now, yes, a young journalist, I wanted to say, but this could be a great story. It could get my name on the map. But then I talked to enough people and I said, this may not be a good idea. So Steve Simmons, who has been around for a minute, ladies and gentlemen, who has been around to report on some of the big names here in the game, to say to report on Austin Matthews having COVID-19, which is a straight-up HIPAA violation. I know. What's HIPAA, Tyler? Listen, say you had a, a disease that could affect you in some way, whether it be physically, mentally, whatever, if you had a disease, but you didn't want anyone to know about it. And you tell your close confidants, tell them, hey, I have this, but let's just you know, keep a hush. But somehow, you know, just slip of the tongue, they tell someone else. And they tell someone else, someone else, someone else, and all of a sudden, big news, this person has this disease. And that person didn't want to get it put out in the public world. How would you feel? How would you feel? I'd get a little mad too. At least in Austin Matthews' case, he knew who reported on it. He knew who had the ability to not report on it, who could have hit the delete button, who could have not written the thing at all, and gave him his two cents. Now, yes, he did it in the most hockey way possible. He said, how, how funny. I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but paraphrasing, you know, it's kind of annoying that you gave it to me, but he still answered Steve Simmons' question regarding the game and whatnot. And Steve, like a good, took it like a champ, came out and said, had we not had COVID-19, he said there would have been a face-to-face, not an altercation, but a face-to-face meeting regarding this. So now whether or not that would happen, I don't know. I don't know Steve personally, obviously, little bit on edge on him just because of the fact that he reported on something like this. Nonetheless, the fact that he came out and said, I understand. Hey, you know what? Credit to Austin Matthews. He's not a journalist. That's his deal. He's an athlete. He's allowed to say something like that because that's something personal to him, which is why it's okay for people that are coming out and saying, listen, this is dumb. He should not have said it. They just lost the game, blah, blah, blah. Where's his head at? If you had an opportunity to tell someone that came public with something you didn't want to be public on, that didn't that you didn't want to be out in the open, wouldn't you take that chance to say something to him? Listen, like I said, had it been behind closed doors, okay, had Austin approached Steve, yes, but you can't do that in these times. So the fact that, yes, Austin Matthews had to do it in public and air Steve's dirty laundry, is it unprofessional looking? To some, maybe, but in the times we have, you have to. You have to say something. 
What are you going to do? Play like nothing else happened? That's where I'm at with that Austin Matthews deal. I get it. People are mad. Time and place, as my mother would say. But when else are you going to have a chance? Wait until after you can go into a room without a mask on to tell a guy something? That could be a year, that could be a year from now. Austin Matthews saw his opportunity. He said what he said. I am, I give him kudos. I said it on Twitter last night. Good for him. He came out and said what he wanted to say and what he meant. That's okay. I'm good with that. Loss or not, you had an opportunity to, to tell someone that in, invaded your privacy, your private life, to just get his name out there. Good on him. And like I said, had I reported on the thing that I, that I knew of, you're right. I deserved every bit of backlash. Thankfully, I had clear heads prevailed. I nixed the idea with some, obviously some guidance from some other folks, but Steve had the opportunity to say, no, we don't need to report on that, but he went with it anyways. Shame on him. Good on Austin. Moving on to the last series of the qualifying round of the Eastern conference. And if you're still with me, G right now here on YouTube, I apologize for the glitchiness, but we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Montreal Canadiens. I was intrigued on this series because it's Carey Price. He is an all-world goaltender. Was? I don't know. After the game on Saturday night? Uh, maybe not all-world, but all-continent, maybe. Pretty good, to say the least. And I saw, and I remember I saw it, I still can't believe it. I used the, and we were on the Kiel Show Twitter, posted when Matt Murray was announced as starting goaltender, they, we tweeted out L for loss. Really just a shot in the dark. Hey, Matt Murray's in that. They're going to lose tonight. Because Matt Murray has not been Matt Murray at all this season, whether it be injuries, whether it's been overall play. He's not been as good as he has been in the years past. Cup-winning goaltender. Didn't look like it at all in the regular season before the pause. Matt Murray last night really, or excuse me, last night, Saturday night really impressed me. He made some huge saves in that game, even though, yes, there were at times that Pittsburgh absolutely just dominated the play. Before that cock and Emmy goal, I could not have told you who the Montreal Canadiens were on the ice because all you were doing is watching Pittsburgh just skate around the Montreal zone. Carey Price made some big saves early on, and then, boom, weird goal off of cock and Emmy gets behind Matt Murray. Montreal takes a one nothing lead. Right on. All right. We have a hockey game here. And all of a sudden, later on, Ryan Suzuki. Hey, Suzuki, first goal in the Stanley Cup playoffs in his first playoff game. All right, the rookie's going. All right, 2 nothing Montreal. My goodness, this may be their one win of the series. I thought, hey, like I said, I said Carey Price was going to win a game one nothing by himself. Well, he had a little help in this one. But then, of course, Pittsburgh, being the better team, comes back. They finally score. Sidney Crosby scoring on a power play goal. Weird little bounce, too, but... Nonetheless, a goal. Then Brian Russ ties it up, and I'm like, okay. That's it, boys and girls. It was a good run while it lasted. Montreal, take the L. Maybe you get one later on in the series. Stay alive. But Pittsburgh's going to take this one, boys. Third period comes around. It's getting late in the game. Play's going back and forth. And by the way, somebody told Montreal something bad. Like someone looked in the Montreal room and said, hey, you, Gallagher, someone at Pittsburgh says your mom's ugly. Because something had to have been said in that locker room because they just went off physically on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And yes, you can look at the hit number and say, well, that's because they didn't have the puck the entire time. Yes, the possession numbers did favor the Pittsburgh Penguins. However, 
53 hits in a hockey game, guys. We talked about how there are 79 hits in the St. Louis Avalanche because that was 40 for the Avalanche, 39 for, for, the, blue, for the Blues. I almost said Blue Jackets. Blues. 53 hits. There were 83 hits in the game between Pittsburgh and Montreal that did go into overtime. 53 of them, though, were by the Montreal Canadiens. They were out there to make sure that the Pittsburgh Penguins were uncomfortable from start to finish. That includes guys like Gallagher, guys like Shea Weber getting physical, having guys like Max Domi, of course, getting out there. By the way, Max Domi, I was hoping he was going to be the guy. I really hoped he was going to be the guy that got the game-winning goal. But can't always get what you want. But it gets into the third period, though, and still 2-2. And all right, Carey Price playing well. Matt Murray making huge saves on two-on-ones. I'll be honest. It could have this game could have been a 7-2 win for the Habs or a 7-2 win for the Penguins had it not been the play of the two goaltenders. Carey, Matt Murray stopping 32 shots in the game. Carey Price making 39 saves for the Montreal Canadiens. Didn't have to make one, though, in the third period on a penalty shot. Connor Sheary gets hauled down, and I literally look at my dad because we were at Buffalo Wild Wings. My dad, my stepmom, and a couple of their friends were watching the game, and I literally said, I'm like, not this way. Not on a penalty shot. Right after Carey Price made a great save, too, after the infraction was made. And I literally looked, and I said, not this way. But here comes Sheary coming from right to left. He's going to make a move, and right as he goes to the forehand, he fires it. He's going for that foot off the ice stick side shot. Boys and girls, if you're a goaltender, you hate that shot because it's so hard to reach, at least as a normal catching hand goaltender. If you're right-handed catching, well, it's still, if you go to the blocker side, it's still a tough save to make. But especially as a left-hander who is on that side going back to the blocker, even when I play, you know, drop in or some Sunday night league, that's a good shot to make because you just put it over his pad and it goes off the post or even goes in. Difficult save to make as a goaltender. Connor Sheary was looking that the entire way. However, he missed the net. So we play on. We go to overtime. Oh, boy. Here we go. The Habs have a chance to win this darn thing. Max Dome, I said Max Domi or Patrick Hornquist. Those are my two guys that were going to score for either team. And then all of a sudden, Jonathan Duran gets a breakaway, and he gets hauled down. We got another penalty shot. Jonathan Duran, I'm like, man, a guy that could use a goal. Guy that could use a goal. Comes down, nice and smoothly, just kind of wiggling. Tries to go to the backhanded. Oh, okay. That's going to be a dang it, isn't it? A great move, just couldn't finish it off. And for the, and first of all, people that actually you know got on Jonathan Durant for missing that penalty shot, you go do that. I don't care if there's no fans in the crowd or not. You put yourself in a Stanley Cup playoff game and overtime a penalty shot, I'm just, listen, I'm just glad, folks, because, hey, this is a legit, this is, this happened a couple years ago. Maxime Comtois in the 20, what was it, the 2018, excuse me, no, 2019 tournament, right? Yes, 2019 against Finland in the quarterfinal. Misses on a penalty shot. And the absolute lambasting that poor kid got by social media just because of where he was born and because he missed on a penalty shot in a big game quit it. I will say this. I've played the game and I can understand when a goaltender misses an opportunity. I know what it's like when a guy misses on a big opportunity. When I allow a bad goal, I can see when a goaltender allows a bad goal. I can call him out because I've done it. You people that have never called and never played a game before going on a guy that's on a penalty shot and whiffs on it. I am sorry. I'd like to see you try. 
Enough on that. Perfect. Game continues on. We're all chatting, having a good time, and oh, I got another game starting up here, the 10-30 game. I believe that was the... Now I'm trying to think off the top of my head who, who was playing in that game, the 10-30 game. It was Calgary and Winnipeg, the first game, right? Duh. And all of a sudden, I'm looking. I'm like, there's a broken play, and all of a sudden, it's kind of, Pucks just kind of jumps out in the neutrals in the into the slot area, and here's Jeff Petrie, and he scores! Holy cow, Montreal scored! Montreal won! I was shocked as anyone because I'm like, somehow Pittsburgh is going to get it done, but Petrie gets a shot, beats Matt Murray, and it's a one nothing lead for the Habs. It's such an... It, like, this is... You have the Hawks winning. I, I just feel it's weird because the way Montreal won game one was just so much more shocking because here's the thing about the Oilers. You expect the Oilers to just flop like that, to absolutely just... just Screw the pooch, have an awful game, and give one to the Hawks. You expect that out of Edmonton. Edmonton, the Toronto of the West. That's how it goes. Why do you think they're the hub cities, boys and girls? Just saying. You don't think Pittsburgh would drop one to a 500 team in the playoffs. No one expects that. That's why the win was so big for the Montreal Canadiens. They're playing here in about three minutes, actually. Eight o'clock puck drop for that game, and I'll probably I'll try to turn it on my phone because I'll be able to kind of more or less just kind of break down the rest of the series as we go. But I'm interested to see how Montreal plays. They got to have a better start tonight. Much better start they're going to need. They were outshot ten to one before the Cockney goal. Ten to one. Carey Price ten saves. Good start. He's a good starter. Good Carey Price. But. They're going to need to have a much better start because you know the Penguins, after that loss, they're going to be a little bit more rattled. A little bit more... I don't know, it's going to be not rattled. They're going to be a little ticked. They're going to be like, hey, we're better than this team. We beat them up in the regular season. We're going to beat them up now. They're going to come out a lot harder here tonight. And I believe, I'm sure if you're Montreal, you got to realize that. Obviously, got a lot of young kids in there. A lot of kids that are getting their first experience. You're talking about Suzuki, Kakaniemi, Arturi Lekkinen. A lot of kids that haven't had to face adversity in the playoffs. So... I'm sure you have, but then again, that's probably the best part about having a guy like Shea Weber in there, having guys like Jeff Petrie in there, guys that have played big playoff games, have played for years. They know how this game works. They're probably in that locker room saying, especially Carey Price, Carey Price as well. Having a leader like that in there, that's vital for a young team. They're probably sitting there on the day off saying, guys, let's rest up because they're going to come harder tomorrow night. Winning one in a playoff series, that's hard enough. Winning two, a little bit harder, especially against a deep Pittsburgh team like that. And I know Thomas Biondo picked them to be swept, so that's why I'm saying, hey, I'm right, because Montreal, they got game one as a victory. So if you tune, if you kind of cancel this and turn over to the hockey game, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Montreal Canadiens, I won't blame you. Also because I'm pretty sure the feed's going to look a little bit cleaner than this is. Um, it's actually starting to look like a little bit better. It's not glitching as much, which is good. So if you're still tuned in, first of all, thank you. If you're turning on the video here, thank you very much here on 12 ounce sports. I know we've had a little bit of issues there for a while with the feed and we're going to try to get that figured out before Thursday's show TKS quick shift edition of the playoffs, getting y'all caught up on what's going to happen both late tonight and Wednesday and Tuesday and early Thursday. I'm getting my days mixed up, but Hey, I'll be here Thursday night, six o'clock same start time. Only one hour though, before the profits. So we will give you all I can in one hour time span. Hope so. We're not going to have any glitching issues. Knock on the wood. 
The other round robin games that happened in the Eastern Conference, of course, right before or while we were doing the show, Tampa Bay winning in a shootout. Good win for them. Andre Vasilevsky not playing the greatest, but he was able to do enough to win. Brighton Holtby playing really well for the Capitals as well. How about a fight? Hey, we had a fight. Oshie and Yanni Gord. Guys, we have some fisticuffs in these playoffs. Blake Wheeler fighting Matthew Kachuk. Justin Williams getting a fight with Ryan Strom. And then Yanni Gord. And like it's not like heavyweights either. Oh, Michael Furland, sure, but he shouldn't be playing right now. Regardless, I, I just love the fact that there's this feistiness and now the, the lack of fear of fighting in the playoffs. Because the, the long story is, the narrative is, you get in a fight, you get two minutes, put the team on the other team on the power play because, you know, you instigated. You're a bad guy. Yeah, that guy didn't want to fight. Well, listen, there's times you can tell there's instigation. All these fights have been pretty mutual, which is funny to say. It's a mutually agreed upon fisticuffs. Okay, oh, well, that, that's good too. <laughs> but it's good to see at least there's some tenacity in these playoffs. The game yesterday, though, the first of the round-robin affairs, Boston and Philadelphia. And I'll be honest with you guys, what a game by Philly. 4-1 win over the Boston Bruins, the number one team, the President's Trophy winning Boston Bruins, the only team to finish with 100 points in the regular season. What a great game for Philadelphia. Carter Hart, phenomenal performance, as my brother would say. Phenomenal, 34 of 35. Yaroslav Halak, I'm not going to say bad game. A couple could have had back, but 25 saves, and you could tell Philadelphia just wanted it more. Boston, Listen, they're still trying to get everything figured out. David Pasternak had not skated. I mean, if you looked at last week, he wasn't even on the ice. So the fact that he's still trying to find his groove is important. Obviously, he did get a couple goals in the exhibition game, but that's exhibition hockey. That's how it's supposed to work. But Carter Hart plays well. You have Scott Lawton getting a goal. You have Philip Myers, Nate Thompson, Michael Roffle. Michael Roffle, who did end up leaving the game later on after that collision with, I believe that was Jeremy Lausen. I think I'm saying that right. Lausen? Lausen? I'm looking over here for someone to give me an answer, but I'm looking at my closet full of golf shirts. But So hopefully he's able to come back because he had a big game, had a goal and an assist for the Philadelphia Flyers. Listen, Philly's not to be messed with. We talked to Jim Jackson a couple weeks ago. Carter Hart's been phenomenal. This is a hockey team that, you know, I obviously, yes, is young, a little bit inexperienced when it comes to the playoffs, at least as of recent memory, at least big playoff experience. But you have guys like Claude Giroux, guys like James Van Reams, like guys that have been in this situation before, and this is nothing new to them. They have played these kind of games, these big on the big stage, and they can help bring these young kids along. It's sort of similar to Montreal's situation. Now, obviously, Philadelphia's in the round robin, and for a reason, but the fact that they're able to play well away from the Wells Fargo Center is important. Now, yes, obviously, there is all of the horns for both teams scoring and you know, fans, the Zoom calls and Zoom chats cheering their team on. There's that for both teams. The only real home ice advantage is one team gets last change and gets to put their stick down last in the face-off circle. That's about it. But still, the fact they're able to play well away from Philadelphia is vital. If they can do it again in the next couple games during this round robin against Tampa and Washington, that'll be really important because they can get a lot of momentum heading in to the first round of the playoffs, whoever they may play. Because you got to be ready 100%. You could tell Philadelphia was treating yesterday's game like a big playoff game, whereas Boston was like, all right, let's just kind of get warmed up, guys. Tuka Rask isn't ready yet. Let's just 
let's get through this. We'll play hard, play smart, and maybe win this hockey game. If not, so what? We're already in the playoffs. So be it. We don't want to have the expectations of a first place team. And we want to play Toronto again in the first round. Here's the difference, though, guys. If Toronto and Boston do play, if somehow the Leafs actually figure out their offense, Game 7 will not be in Boston. So the Leafs got that going for them, if they even get there. But great game for Philly. They will play, I believe, not tomorrow. I think they do play tomorrow night, actually, in their second game. So I guess the real question is, what to expect going forward? Obviously, Pittsburgh and Montreal starting right now. Uh, Let's take a quick look at the score of the Dallas-Vegas game. See if we can get a look in there. Wow, Dallas. Hello. Three unanswered for the Stars in the second period, leading late. We have goals from Joe Pavelski, Jamie Alexiak, and Corey Perry. Hey, his knee is still intact. Good for him. 3-1 lead here for the Stars. So I guess I'll give a quick recap here. Shots on goal, 21-16 so far, and almost 40 minutes of action in favor of Dallas. Each team has had a power play. Dallas one for one with theirs. Hey, Dallas, I'm just saying, guys. I'm just saying. Dallas is a hockey team. By the way, I'm pretty sure if you guys are, if you tuned in the entire way, you probably missed it, but Tyler Sagan, Robin Leonard, and I missed uh, Ryan Reeves and Jason Dickinson all kneeled for the anthem. So, and that's just, that's great right there because I know obviously the league had a lot of backlash from fans. I'm not going to get into the, the whole thing with, Eric Trump, not going to do that. That's not my place, but good for them to step up on it. Matthew Dumba doing, giving the speech before the Edmonton-Chicago game on Saturday. He took a knee for the American National Anthem, not the Canadian Anthem, but last night in the game again before Vancouver during the Anthems, he had his fist up for both games. You keep doing your thing, Matthew. We're right behind you. We're with all you guys because black lives do matter. As we get to kind of our preview for the rest of the next few days, I'm actually going to pull up the schedule now because I should probably figure out what's going to happen before we do our show on Thursday. Obviously, just starting right now, Montreal and Pittsburgh tonight, Edmonton, Chicago. Edmonton needs a huge game tonight out of all of their big stars, whether it be, I mean, obviously, Miko Koskinen getting the start in goal. Obviously, you need bigger performances. Obviously, Drysaddle, yes. Drysaddle, McDavid, they both scored. I get that. They need to step up as well. It's going to have to be, I think it's more of just, you know, a defensive performance out of Edmonton is what they're going to need. You're going to need Darnell Nurse to play well. Clefbaum's got to play well. Adam Larson, he's got an A on his sweater for a reason. He's got to play well. And so I just, they need to, they got to play a lot tougher against the Hawks because, I mean, yes, you, if you take out the four goals in the first period or if you even limit it to two, it's a tie game. I understand that. But you're gonna have to shut down Kubali because that kid's gonna be either he's if he I don't think he's gonna take it off either. He's not gonna be like, oh, I got five points in my first game, I'm gonna take it off. He's not gonna do what Austin Matthews did in his rookie year. He's not gonna score four goals and then just take a week off. No, he's gonna come back with tough. Why? Because he's got a guy like Jonathan Taves in his corner looking at him and saying, You're gonna keep playing hard. Captain serious. He doesn't smile for anybody. He smiled when he won the cup, but that was an accident. It was a break of character for Captain Serious. But I think the Hawks are going to come back even harder because they realize it too, because they realize they have an opportunity to upset a really good Edmonton Oilers hockey team. On tomorrow's slate, the first game of the day will be the Islanders and Panthers. Big game for the Panthers to try to get back in the series. But if New York can play defensively sound once again, it's very unlikely that I see the Islanders really doing, or the Panthers 
been able to get through. And I, I want to say they're going to win one game in this series, but if, if same thing with the Leafs, if they can't get their offense going against a very good defensive Islanders team, they, they may be done. They may be going back to Florida in no time. And nobody wants to go to Florida right now. It's still a cesspool of COVID. You don't want to go there. It ain't pretty. May as well just keep driving on through and drive into the ocean. Maybe make your way to Cuba. I don't know what Cuba's numbers are, but I'm sure Cuba, you know, they got nice cigars and stuff like that, right? They got, you know, they got Havana. Well, anyways, regardless, Florida's got to play a lot better offensively. They got to find a way to break through that defense. The next game of the day will be the Arizona-Nashville game two. I, I'm interested to see what Hines does. Haven't heard anything yet. Haven't heard if Rene's going to play. Like I said, Saros, shaky start in the first period against Arizona. But I think if you give him an opportunity, he has a chance to redeem himself towards the end, make some big saves there in that third period to keep the game close when Nashville started to come back. So I believe he may be earning the shot in game two. If Arizona can do what they did in game one, though, look out. Pecorini may be going in in Nashville. They may be playing the honky-tonk blues. Not the St. Louis Blues, the Hockey Town. Because it's Broadway, it's Music City. Okay, you get it? Awesome. But interesting to see how that game goes. The game, the mid-afternoon game, if you will, will be the Leafs and the Jackets. Four o'clock puck drop for that one. Same thing with the Panther series, guys. If the Leafs cannot break through the Columbus defense, na-na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye. If Austin Matthews can't put, if Marner can't get a shot on goal, I mean, I, I just, I want to say there was nerves there. I, you could see that they were trying stuff. They were trying to get clean zone entries. They were trying to play tougher, but it just wasn't clicking for them. And the defense is going to have to be stronger as well because in order to create more chances, you got to limit their offensive opportunities a little bit more. Freddie's got to stay consistent. I don't, you know, I'm knocking on wood when I say it, but he's, if he stays fine in goal, stays cool and calm, the Leafs will be fine on, in their own end. You just got to find a way to put the puck in the back of the net. Get in front of Corpus Allo, Make it a little bit harder for the youngster. So that'll be an interesting one at the 4 o'clock puck drop. 6.45 puck drop will be game three of the Jets and Flames. Probably the most interesting series. We talked it off the top of the show with Cody Jansen of World Hockey Report. Who knows what's going to happen? Will Shifley be in the lineup tomorrow? Will Lina be up in the lineup tomorrow? I don't know. Appleton wasn't in the lineup today for Winnipeg as well. And here's another question. I don't, and I was about to say, who are you going to, is, will you see Dave Riddick tomorrow for Calgary? I don't think so. Talbot didn't play bad. I don't really blame him for any of the goals. So, you know, I mean, shoot the Nikolai Ehlers goal that was ended up being the game winner. That was a deflection. Adam Lowry shot. It was a good shot. Same thing with Jans, or the, uh, with, with Jesper. So I'm intrigued to see. How Calgary responds? Will they be tougher? How is Johnny Gaudreau going to feel? Is that kick in the ribs that actually really hurt him significantly? Or was it just a little bump, a little bruise? Will he be able to come back? We'll have to wait and see in that game. In sort of the Battle of the Prairies, if you will, the 8 o'clock game will be the Rangers and Hurricanes. Last gasp for the Rangers. Will they start Alexander Georgiev? Will Igor Shostorkin have an opportunity to get in the net? Will they give Henrik Lundqvist his one last opportunity? We all salute him for maybe his last game as a Ranger. I don't think it'll be his last game as a Ranger, but it's likely that we may be seeing the last of him being the number one guy in Manhattan. Manhattan? Yeah, they're in Manhattan. (laughs) There's so much part of New York, guys. In New York City. 
But if Carolina can play like the way they did, do you, I mean, here's the thing too. It's a fa- obviously a very quick round here. If they can pull it off tomorrow, you got a lot of rest. So do you go back with Mrazek or do you play Reimer? Mrazek played really well in the last two games. And I think especially in a playoff scenario, you don't want to pull a goaltender if he's not, unless he, there is some injury involved. So I think they go back with Mrazek tomorrow to see if they can just get the game, if they can get it done. Obviously, if you lose that game, though, you can't go back. You can't go to Reimer because you got to have Mrazek ready to go because the Rangers are going to have a little bit of confidence in them. I'm just saying, guys, they still picked the Rangers in five. I'm feeling a little uneasy about my pick, but if you win one, you plant one little seed of doubt and a win in game four would put a little water and a little bit of sunshine, and maybe that doubt can grow into a game five collapse. I'm sure the Hurricanes fans, and I'm sure one of the best fan bases in hockey, don't want that. So I'm just saying, though, Canes, you got to win tomorrow. They got to win. Never give a team a glimmer of hope. The nightcap for the second time will be the Minnesota Wild and the Vancouver Canucks. The goaltending was great in that game last night. I watched the game back this morning, and I said to myself, man, Alexander Stalock looked extremely confident. Markstrom, yeah, could have had that Kevin Fiala slap shot from the point. Could have read that shot by Jared Spurgeon better. Other than that, though, he played really well. He played, and he made some big saves, some big 10-bell saves to keep Vancouver in that hockey game last night. The offense wasn't able to click. You need, and listen, I know. This is Pedersen's first time in the playoffs. This is Brock Besser's first time in the playoffs. This is Quinn Hughes' first time. All these youngsters, this promising future for the Canucks, this is their first rodeo. There shouldn't be much expectations, but the fact they are the favored team in this series provides expectations. In Minnesota, had had the pause happened in January, they wouldn't be in right now, guys. They were a team that everyone looked at and said, oh my gosh, Minnesota's finally going to miss the playoffs. But now, there's confidence. They're getting timely scoring. Some unlikely guys, some likely guys. Kevin Fiala chipping in. There you go. Jared Spurgeon. Hey, he's, all, he's always been able to put up points from the back end. Alexander Stalock. Like I said with Alex, I don't, I don't know why people thought Devin Dubnik was going to start. I love Doobie. I love his comeback that he had, albeit five years ago now, took over Darcy Kemper's job. But I loved it. I love it. I was pulling for him, cheering for him, hoping he does well. I always like to see those kind of come... You know, it's kind of the comeback stories, if you will. Why do you think Robin Leonard is one of my favorite guys in the NHL right now? That's exactly why. That's why I like Kemper down in Arizona. That's why I like a guy like Alexander Stalock, a guy that a couple years ago was left in a hotel in Toronto because, well, we ain't going to play with the Marlies. We ain't going to be with the Leafs, so we'll pay you. Pay for your hotel and everything. Just kind of just hang out there. Stay in a hotel. I mean, yeah, and they lit a fire under him, and now he's a starting goaltender in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He's played really well. Down the stretch in the pause. Played really well last night. I'm interested to see how he plays in game two. Let's see if maybe Vancouver's offense can pick it up. Wednesday, game three between Pittsburgh and Montreal. Game three for also the Oilers and the Blackhawks. Islanders, Panthers, game three, Nashville and Arizona. If Nashville, that'll be game three as well for them. Lightning and Tampa. Lightning and Tampa. Lightning in Boston take part in a 4 o'clock round-robin game. The other round-robin action will be Colorado and Dallas. That's starting at 6.30 Eastern Standard Time, 4.30 local time in Edmonton. Thursday, all to be determined. Actually, no, the only games that are not to be determined are the Washington-Philadelphia game. 
as I literally lean over very ominously, even though I'm still on screen. That just goes to show that I know that I'm half paying attention to the camera. Vegas and St. Louis, the other round robin game on Thursday. The two be determined playoff games would be, well, right now, exactly that is game three between Maple Leafs and Blue Jackets. Flames and Jets, that would be game four. Vancouver, Minnesota, game three. And Hurricanes, Rangers, game four, if necessary. We'll see how those games go. I'm surprised I made it this long, and thank you all for very much for, for dealing with us. It looks like the video is coming around. It looks like it's holding together for the most part. I'm sorry it wasn't quite as clean there for Scott Esposito. If you want to catch the entire interview, clearly, without any interruptions of any kind, be sure to stay tuned for tomorrow, where we post the audio version of today's episode on your favorite podcatchers, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, no, yes, I, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, we don't have a cough button here at the Cula Show studio, but be sure to tune in for that. We will not have a video replay this week, unfortunately. That I will tweet out as soon as we're done here today because, well, uh, once I wasn't able to start recording when we came back live here, so I do apologize, but I'll probably just repost the video to the Cula Show link. I'll make sure I tag that. So you can catch it on the 12 here on 12 ounce sports, catch it on demand as well. We have a few minutes here. Let's go to some questions. Hashtag ask TKS. Be able to sure to get that in for today's episode. I got to pull them up now because I was going to use my, you know, my Google. I was going to use my internet, my laptop, but that just wasn't able to quite work today. So let's hit up the ask TKS on the Twitter. One of the first questions that we had, I did see a couple today, but the first one we're going to have here is from World Hockey Report, from probably Cody Jansen, most surprising goaltending performance so far in the play-in round. That one was interesting for for me because, I mean, like I said, Cody Jansen and I are both goaltenders. We love to watch goaltending. I like to study. Whenever I go to games, whether it be the AHL, ECHL, USHL, NHL, I watch how the goaltenders play. I watch how they handle the puck. I dissect them to a T. Even on a $2 Friday night at the Griffins games, I still watch the goaltending and critique it to the highest degree. But Tyler, you never played professional hockey. Okay, I get that. However, I still have to critique goaltending. It's just what I do. That's like I know a buddy of mine who is a referee now. He referees college games, high school games, junior games, all that good stuff. We, I saw I ran into him at the, at the rink one time before a Davenport game, and he's sitting there watching the game, and I'm like, I look over, and I'm like, you're watching the refs right now, aren't you? And he's like, yep, I'm watching the refs. And I'm like, that's how it is now. I listen to broadcasting, and I hear certain quirks with certain broadcasters, certain downs, some certain ups, and I, that's why I like to talk to multiple broadcasters, get everyone's take on sorts of things, because everyone is different. I myself am different. I like to quirk dumb jokes in my broadcast. Some keep it very serious on a fine line, which is their style. But goaltending in the playing round. After one game, I point the finger at Matt Murray. Matt Murray really shocked me because I thought, like I said, I really said that that's an L for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Tristan Jari played a lot better this season. Murray's not 2017, not 2016 Matt Murray. He came out and really stopped. He really put me in my place. He made some big stops for the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
and kept him in that game where Montreal started to pick up some offense there towards the end, especially in the overtime. He had to make some big stops to keep the game tied. So, and especially when the game became a 2-0 game, he had to make some big stops to keep it at a 2-0 game. I don't blame him for any of the goals last night, or last night, Saturday night for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think I was really surprised by his play in game one. I'll give one into the West as well. I'm not going to say Alexander Salak. People are saying, oh my gosh, Salak was amazing. You know, what a great story. Yeah, what a great story, but look how he's played this season. And I get it. We said it during the preview episode. They, it, these are times that we can't say, here's how he played in the regular season. This is how he's going to play well now, even though it's four and a half months off. I get that. That said, though, when you know in your mind how you're playing and you come back into camp thinking, I can keep going with this and you're feeling good about yourself, feeling confident in yourself, you're going to come back, and guess what? You're going to be playing at that same level. That's how he played last night against Vancouver. Alex Stalock did. <sighs> Markstrom expected that. I expect him to play well. I think he's been one of the most underrated goaltenders for some time. He just been playing on some awful hockey clubs. Played awful, played, you know, when he was in Florida. Was on an awful teams down there. First came over to Vancouver in the Luongo trade. Was not on a good team there either. I remember when he was in Utica in the American League, they played against Grand Rapids in the playoffs, and he was outstanding. Absolutely a phenomenal goaltender. Makes some huge saves for Utica, and I'm like, this guy belongs in the NHL, which now we'll look where he's at. He's one of the top goaltenders in that Pacific division for sure, let alone the entire league. I have to go back to my notes now because I'm curious to, to see who else I can think of off the top of my head of who should be considered, at least in the Western Conference. Because I'm really not shocked with anyone else. I'm not. I'm going to leave out the, the round-robin goaltenders, because that's obviously the question from World Hockey Report. Markstrom. I mean, I guess I can give, like, shocking as in bad. I did not think Mike Smith was going to be, you know, allowing five goals in a game. You know, Corey Crawford allowing a couple goals here and there. You know what? Yeah, let's give it that one. Let's give it to Cam Talbot out in the West. Cam Talbot. You look at his numbers in the regular season, you think, okay, not like it. Don't forget, guys, it's been three years since he played 71 games and was a Vesna candidate for an Oilers team that got knocked out in the second round, albeit, but he was phenomenal that season. Had a couple bad years, gets trade or gets me signs with Calgary, flip flops with Mike Smith. I really think that he has really stood up and said, listen, I can still be that goaltender. And that's why this series is so important because it was, it was a flip-flop between him and Dave Riddick all season. And yeah, Riddick won more games, but Cam Talbot had some more consistent starts. And that's why Jeff Ward, game one, said, let's go with Talbot. They win game one last night. Or, excuse me, earlier today, game two. They went with Cam Talbot. Plays well, obviously they lose. I don't, how do you not go with Cam Talbot in game three? You don't go with big save Dave because he may make a big save, but he may allow three before that. So definitely I'm surprised with Cam Talbot's play just because of how solid he's been and how he's been able to really step up and show, hey, I can be the number one guy still here in the NHL when a lot of people started writing him off. The other asked TKS from Minor League Rando, which is coming up next here on the Kewl Show. He asks, quote, why do the Predators do this? I give my soul for this team. And they take it and mash it and blend it and stab it over and over and over. Please, just one cup. 
end quote. I think the question was, why did the Predators do this? Because <laughs> the rest of it was just, you know, well, sounds like me with the Leafs. I will tell you, Rando, I don't know. Peyton and Turnage and I had a back and forth on it earlier, and we were like, man, if, if the Predators don't actually win a game in this series, that's going to be tough because I know that the Coyotes, you know, I, I, didn't, I don't look at them as an underdog in this series, and I don't look at the Predators the same way as a favorite. That said, though, you would think Nashville, with all their firepower, with their star power, and yes, their goaltending, I look at them and I think, man, these both, both Saros and Rene should be better, that this team could be a top team. I'm curious to see how they play. I like to think they're going to come out with more jump tomorrow, but we just have to wait and see. I, I couldn't tell you that. I mean, Philip Forsberg, two goals yesterday. He had a great performance. It'd be great to see him come out and get another one. Will he be the only guy that steps up? Maybe. I think Matt Duchesne really is desperate. He's a guy that really needs to step up. He needs to find the funk he's in, grab a shovel, dig himself out of it because Nashville pays him big money to perform, not put the puck in his own net, even though it really wasn't his fault. I'm also curious to see what Saros does tomorrow night as well. So why does Nashville do this to you, Rando? I don't know. Be sure to stay tuned, folks, because hopefully the Rando, he doesn't have as nearly as many issues as I do. 8.30 start time here on 12-Ounce Sports. He'll be talking about the XFL being purchased by The Rock. What the XFL is going to be doing. Stay tuned for that for the minor, talking minors with the Rando. Also talking about a potential start date of the Southern Professional Hockey League. Minor league hockey still coming around. Obviously, the AHL announcing they're going to look to start in December. A little bit late of a start, but... Obviously, they want to be safe because they want to have fans in the stands, hoping Phase 5 comes around before then. Also, of course, MLB, and of course, there's all the great stuff about COVID with Major League Baseball, NBA, all that good stuff. He'll be talking about that here in just a few minutes. I want to thank you all for staying tuned here on the Cula Show here on this very auspicious Monday evening. We had so many problems. We fought through it. We're here together. We did it all here. We got it done. Be sure to tell us about the episode, what you actually saw and what you actually liked. Use the hashtag TKS when we talk about this episode. Tweet us at The Cula Show and tell us for the parts that were not glitchy and not out fair that you actually liked because, well, if you like the glitchy parts, well, um, uh, cool. Hey, you like the bad stuff from us. That means you got to really love, like the good stuff, right? Be sure to follow us. And like I said, Thursday, folks, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We'll have TKS Quick Shifts as we'll recap the next few days' action, and it just kind of helps us keep track of everything that's going on. We probably won't do it after the playoffs. It's probably just for the playoffs, just to keep up with all the games going on, because there's so much hockey going on right now. I am Tyler signing off here from Grand Rapids. Thank you all once again, because without you guys, this wouldn't be fun. We'll see you all on Thursday here on the Cula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports.